and welcome to Pick 6 Movies. I'm Bo Ransdell, and along with my lifelong friend Chad Cooper, we have joined forces to navigate the rough waters of cinema history by selecting six films, all based around a common theme. Like this season, for example, season 16. We call this one, It's Like Jaws, mostly because it's a season all about movies that are like Jaws. This is episode four, and for your edification, we are headed into the jungles of the Amazon to track the most elusive of prey, John Voight's accent. Of course, I'm talking about the movie Anaconda, but first, Chad's going to whip a little information on you about, well, let's not spoil the surprise on that one. Let's just say Anacondas do make an appearance. Most importantly, relax, sit back, and let this new episode of Pick 6 Movies wrap around you and squeeze tight before swallowing you whole with entertainment. It's Anaconda! On July 6th, 2001, an eight-year-old boy was swimming with his cousins in the ocean off the coast of northwest Florida in Pensacola when a 200-pound bull shark attacked the young boy on his arm. The boy's uncle heard the child scream, ran into the water, grabbed the shark, and an impromptu aquatic tug-of-war began to take place over the boy's body. Now, eventually, the struggle led to the uncle pulling the shark onto the beach while others carried the injured boy to the shore where a helicopter helicopter airlifted the injured child to a hospital for medical treatment. A friendly park service ranger proceeded to shoot and kill the bull shark. Some of you may say that seems a bit extreme and that the shark was just doing what sharks do, but the park service ranger needed the shark to be dead so that he could retrieve the boy's severed arm from the shark's gullet. Yeah, the kid's arm was bitten off. Now you don't feel so bad for that shark, now do you? The severed arm was put on ice and sent with a medical team to the hospital where it was reattached after an 11-hour surgery. That's the good news. The bad news? The attack left the boy with permanent brain damage. Now, this story was so sensational, it made international news, and it was the start of 2001's Summer, Summer of, of the, the Shark. Shark. The media reported any shark story or any shark adjacent story that came up that year. In fairness to the media feeding frenzy regarding shark attacks, well, was a whole bunch of activity by the sharks that summer that served up some really juicy chum that got all the reporters worked up. In one case that year, a man from New York was on vacation in the Bahamas and a shark attacked him and left him with a severed leg. There was an attack on a surfer quite close to where that eight-year-old boy lost his arm in Pensacola. Well, you know, he lost the arm, but then the park ranger found it and gave it back to him. In Russia, there was a 28-year-old man who was killed and his 22-year-old fiance was critically injured after a shark attack. All this seemingly non-stop shark coverage led Time Magazine to publish the July 30th cover that read, Summer of the Shark, with a photo of a great white shark filling up the whole page. George Burgess, at the time, was the director of shark research at the Florida Museum of Natural History, and he started receiving calls like he'd never had before. It was unprecedented. He was receiving 30 to 50 calls a day that summer wanting to be interviewed as a shark expert. By mid-August 2001, Network News was showing footage shot from a helicopter where all of these sharks were gathering around the coast of Southwest Florida, which, by the way, they do every year, and swimmers were 
were reportedly warned to not go in the water as August gave way to September. In the first three days of that month, there were two fatal shark attacks, one in Virginia and one in North Carolina. And there were calls from the public and politicians to pass legislation to stop this shark nightmare right here, right now, in the early days of September in the year 2001. And then the attacks on September 11th happened. And guess what? Sharks quit eating people. Or so it would seem. It turns out that the number of unprovoked shark attacks worldwide in 2001 was 76, a number that was down from 85 unprovoked shark attacks in the year prior in 2000. And all this hysteria and media coverage around shark attacks in 2001 was mostly unwarranted and driven by salacious news reports. Now you may be thinking, sure, shark attacks were down, but what about deaths from shark attacks? 2001's Summer of the Shark had a total of five fatal shark attacks in the United States. In the year 2000, one year earlier, it was 12. Shark attacks were the third most covered story in the United States in 2001 across the three major news networks. Number two was coverage of the missing intern Chandra Levy and her relationship with a U.S. congressman named Gary Condit. And the top spot, of course, went to the attacks on September 11th. But shark attacks were third. Public perception and the influence of news coverage caused people to think sharks were a larger threat greater than they really were. Now, look, these numbers are from 20 years ago, right? How about today? Well, in 2020, there were 57 worldwide unprovoked shark bites. Of those, 10 were fatal. Of those deaths, six were in Australia, three in the United States, and one in the Caribbean. And of those three in the United States, one was in Hawaii, one in California, and one was in Maine. Really? Maine? In 2020, the top cause of death in the United States, once again, and still champion of killing unhealthy Americans coast to coast, heart disease. Now, close number two is cancer, and newcomer COVID-19 took the number three spot. Welcome to the list of top causes of death COVID-19. We hope to never see you again. There was a lot of media coverage around COVID-19 deaths in 2020 because how often does a once every century pandemic show up? I guess every hundred years. But the deaths from heart disease and cancer, they're not sexy enough to get the kind of coverage that a shark attack gets. Don't go swimming or you might die is a little more titillating than, hey, put on the cheeseburger and cigarettes or you might die, fatso. There were 10, just 10 reported fatal shark attacks in 2020 on planet Earth. Let's Put that into a little perspective. Guess how many people died from getting hit on the head with a coconut? 150. That doesn't even take into account the impact of those people that got bonked on the noggin and walked away with just basic memory loss. Guess how many died from taking a selfie in 2020? 12. That's two more people than got killed by a shark. Have you ever tried to get a stuck candy bar or bag of chips out of a vending machine? Well, think twice about trying to get your money back because falling vending machines kill around 13 people every year. On average, 24 people annually who don't know how to properly open a champagne bottle, they get killed by the cork exploding out and smacking them in the head. Sure, one might argue that these are just the actions of dumb humans. Darwin was right. 
But what about attacks from other animals? Sharks have to be the legit top of the food chain when it comes to eating people. It's a not even close. Hippos are responsible for around 500 deaths each year in Africa. Cows are responsible for at least 20 deaths a year. Turns out all these filmmakers trying to rip off Jaws, they need to make a movie called Bovine based on that data. And you may be thinking, what about snakes? How many people die from snake bites each year? Well, in the United States, on average, there are about five deaths associated with snake bites each year. Look, it would be irresponsible to not speak about the worldwide deaths associated with snake bites. Each year, there are an estimated 20,000 to 93,000 snake bite deaths each year. And I get it, that's a pretty big range of estimates. But reporting of worldwide snake bite deaths is not that accurate. And most of these snake bite deaths occur in Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa and a lack of proper healthcare and available snake bite treatments are all influential contributors to this high death toll. Well, you know, that and the snake bite itself. But back in the United States, about seven to 8,000 people each year get bit by a snake. And of those, yeah, only five of them die. You can count that on one hand. In some years, you don't even need all five fingers. So why is it that people all over planet Earth are definitely afraid of snakes that I'm afraid don't cause that much death? Is this another case of people believing a false narrative like the sorrow, sorrow of the, the shark? shark? Or perhaps is it something that is woven into our genetic makeup? And to answer this question, we turn to one place. Excuse me, science. Could we borrow you for a moment? The New York Times reported back in 2013 about a team of researchers who decided to figure out why people freak out when they see a snake. And after a bunch of eggheading, they determined that certain neurons in the human brain only respond when a person sees a snake. See, in your brain, there is a select group of neurons dedicated to helping you sense danger that specifically includes the ability to see a snake slithering around. Researchers argued that this is directly related to pre Previous generations of humans, you know, back when snakes were a real threat to human survival, that led to us humans having the ability to quickly recognize a snake maybe faster than other things in our field of vision. And this is true for everyone. Little kids, old people, if you're born in the city, if you're born in the country, it doesn't really matter. When a snake is nearby, your brain tells you to watch out. And guess who else has the ability to recognize snakes when they see them? Monkeys! Anthropologist Lynn Isabel wrote a book called The Fruit, the Tree, and the Serpent, Why We See So Well. And he detailed how snakes crawling around in the foliage of trees forced primates to up their game when it came to identifying snakes and not getting killed. Now, detecting a snake for survival is one thing, but having a true fear of snakes or ophidiophobia is something totally different. People with a heightened fear of snakes, I mean, they really freak out and they can't move or breathe. Well, they have this condition due to a variety of reasons. Number one, maybe they had a negative or traumatic experience when they were a child that caused them to be fearful of snakes. Say, for example, if you came across some guy who was going to steal an ancient artifact, but instead you took it first because that artifact belonged in a museum, and then you escaped on a horse, hopped on a circus train, and this guy chased you, and you got on top of the circus train, leaping rooftop to rooftop across these moving train cars, and you accidentally fell through the roof of one of the train cars that housed all the reptiles and then you were covered in a lot of snakes that's the kind of thing that might cause you to have ophidiophobia 
Maybe your condition comes from learned behavior. Say if your parents freaked out every time they saw a snake and then you think, hey, that's what you do when you see a snake, you freak out. Maybe you were part of one of those churches that danced around with poisonous snakes because of Jesus or something and then you saw somebody die. Maybe your mom or your pop. That would certainly tilt your worldview. Maybe you were conditioned by what you saw on TV or in the movies or heard a story that was so convincing that it made you have an expectation of pain or discomfort that leads to this type of extreme fear of snakes. Maybe your fear of snakes comes from being a big fan of that first book of the Old Testament with Adam and Eve, but hell, if that's the case, you're probably afraid of a lot of things in this world and probably a whole bunch of people that aren't like you. Now, for those people with a heightened fear of snakes, don't worry help is available in the form of exposure therapy where you are exposed to snakes. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that works wonders. There's also cognitive behavioral therapy where you talk a lot with a therapist about your fear of snakes. Really? People go to a therapist to get over their fear of snakes. All right. Now these methods don't work, which they won't. There is always the option of medication. <laughs> now we're talking, look, it can be difficult to unlearn your learned fear of snakes, but it's not impossible. The trick it turns out is to see people who have fun or positive experiences with snakes. For example, Selma Hayek dancing around with that snake and from dusk till dawn, that's a good time, right? Or maybe great vengeance and furious anger is more your cup of tea. You should watch Sam Jackson kill a bunch of snakes on a plane in the movie snakes on a plane that's a pretty good time or you could just give a listen to the rest of this episode as we have fun and a positive experience as we do that thing we always do with this episode's feature film 1997's anaconda to understand how Anaconda made its way to the big screen and ultimately evolved into a thing of campy monster movie legend, we must start with one man, Louis Losa. Originally, Losa was a film critic, and rather than just sit in the cheap seats, handing out cheers and jeers, he decided to get in the filmmaking arena and mix it up a little bit. Losa was from Peru and had some early success making films in his home country. Then he came to the United States and started making exploitation films with producer Roger Corman. Oh, that explains a lot. Losa's first feature film was in the Roger Corman-produced 1987 movie, Hour of the Assassin, starring Eric Estrada, who was on the hit TV show Chips, and Robert Vaughn from the hit TV show The Man From U.N.C.L.E. This movie was about some assassins killing the president of Peru, and surprisingly, Robert Vaughn is the good guy in that movie. Losa followed this feature with the American-Peruvian sci-fi action film Crime Zone starring David Carradine from the hit TV show Kung Fu and Peter Nelson from the hit TV miniseries V. Crime Zone involved Carradine recruiting young lovers uh -oh, to commit a crime spree in a futuristic police state. Corman executive produced this one and he wrote the original script, which clearly explains a lot. With a couple of successes? Under his belt, Losa was given the opportunity to direct a real American action film, Sniper, starring Tom Berenger, who was fresh off his work in Platoon, and Billy Zane, who'd yet to appear as the rich asshole in Titanic, Sniper came out. And it didn't do terribly well at the box office, barely breaking even with its production costs, but Sniper did go on to generate seven sequels. That's seven sequels. That's an S followed by an Evan sequels. Good God. 
Losa then went to the Amazon to make the film Fire on the Amazon, starring Luana Margot Anderson, who was Vincent Price's sister in Roger Corman's version of The Pit and the Pendulum. And she was also one of those girls who skinny dipped with Dennis Hopper and Peter Fonda in Easy Rider. Anderson was joined in this movie with one of the stars of the hit made-for-TV movie, Bionic Showdown, The Six Million Dollar Man and the Bionic Woman, an up-and-coming actress known as Sandra Bullock. Maybe you've heard of her? Losa followed that movie with a film called The Specialist, starring Sly Stallone, Sharon Stone, James Woods, Rod Steiger, Eric Roberts, and that movie score was delivered by John Barry, but more importantly, it featured the Gloria Estefan song, Turn the Beat Around, I Don't Know the Words. This movie was terrible, but it made $170 million off of a budget of 45 million bucks. And we all know what that means. Hey, Losa, you get to make another movie. Losa was given another 45 million bucks to see if he could rub two nickels together and turn them into a quarter. The movie to make this miracle happen would be Anaconda. Anaconda was written to be an unapologetic B-movie, but with a slightly respectable budget. The movie was specifically written to be Jaws, but with a snake, based on the popularity of the aforementioned film, as well as subsequent knockoffs like Piranha, but this would feature an oversized, slithering apex predator. The movie was written by Hans Bauer, Jack Epps Jr. and Jim Cash. The latter two wrote the screenplays for Top Gun, Legal Eagles, Turner and Hooch, that Dick Tracy movie, and then a few years after Anaconda landed in theaters, this duo penned the Stone Age sequel, The Flintstones, Viva Rock Vegas. You know, somewhere in that list of movies is a high and low watermark for quality screenplays, and I will leave that up to you to work that one out. The cinematographer on Anaconda was Bill Butler who has a lengthy career across a wide range of films. In his review of Anaconda, Pick 6 Movie's favorite film critic, Roger, don't call me Gene Siskel, Ebert, noted the cinematic efforts of Mr. Butler in his review where Mr. Ebert said, a movie like Anaconda can easily be dumb and goofy, see Piranha, much depends on the skill of the filmmakers. Here, one of the key players is cinematographer Bill Butler, who creates a seductive yet somehow sinister jungle atmosphere. The movie looks great, and the visuals and the convincing soundtrack and the ominous music make the Amazon into a place with presence and personality. It's not a backdrop, it's an enveloping presence. And Mr. Ebert's right, the film Anaconda looks pretty damn good. And although Anaconda didn't receive the same high critical acclaim that Jaws enjoyed, the two movies did share one common experience in making their respective films. The animatronics of their oversized killer beasts didn't work so well. The animatronic shark in Jaws, nicknamed Bruce, was corroded by the salt water inside and outside of the giant shark. This salt water got into the pneumatic hoses and made the shark almost impossible to operate. Steven Spielberg didn't want to use miniatures while filming Jaws, and the difficulties associated with the 25-foot-long replication of the deadly fish was so difficult that reportedly the young director vowed never to work in Hollywood again after making the film. But Jaws came out, and it was a 
huge success and it made a bajillion dollars, so Steven Spielberg made countless more movies and were all the better for it. Anaconda faced some similar but different troubles. First of all, a $45 million budget only goes so far, and the cost to build not one, but two realistic animatronic snake puppets create some real challenges. One of these fake snakes was 25 feet long, it weighed about 1,500 pounds, but the other one was 40 feet long, coming in at two and a half tons, and both were made with metal frames and filled with wires, and they were covered in rubber. The movie was filmed in the Manus region of the Amazon rainforest, which was hot and humid, and it was filled with water and vegetation, and because of all of these difficult working conditions, the movie did not rely solely on practical effects. The film included some late 90s CGI uh -oh. <laughs> in combination with these animatronic snake puppets. Now at the time the movie was released, the CGI effects cost a whole lot of money and reportedly every second of computer generated snake seen on the screen cost filmmakers $100,000 per second. Ah, that was money well spent. With the snake puppets being difficult to manipulate in such unpredictable conditions, during filming of one scene, the giant animatronic snake almost killed one of the movie's stars who was almost struck by this two-ton giant snake robot's full body of metal and wires and snake rubber. Who was that star that was almost killed by this robot snake? None other than Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez started her acting career in regional performances of musicals like Jesus Christ Superstar and Oklahoma. This led to more acting and singing and choreography work where she eventually got a job as a backup dancer for New Kids on the Block in 1991. From there, she got a job as a fly girl on the Fox sketch comedy show In Living Color. She was a backup dancer for Janet Jackson, but opted not to join Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, on her world tour in 1993 in pursuit of a more ambitious acting career. Some TV work and direct-to-video movies followed, and then her first big role was in Gregory Nava's 1995 film My Family, which led to her appearing in the movie Money Train along with Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. Next, she appeared in the Robin Williams comedy Jack. Francis Ford Coppola directed that movie. It was kind of like the movie Big, but uh, with Fran Drescher and Bill Cosby in it. Well, you know what? They all can't be Godfather 1 and 2. Next, Jennifer Lopez appeared alongside Jack Nicholson and Stephen Dorff in Blood and Wine, and then she landed the title role in the biopic film Selena, where she worked again with director Gregory Nava, and this movie showcased all of Jennifer Lopez's talents as a singer and a dancer and actress. And this was the movie that solidified Jennifer Lopez as a real movie star. When casting for the movie Anaconda began, filmmakers looked at quite a few actresses for the female lead. Among those considered were Jennifer Aniston, Kate Beckinsale, Nicole Kidman, Kim Basinger, Gillian Anderson, Juliana Margulies. But ultimately, they decided that Jennifer Lopez was the one to play the lead female nature documentarian, Terry Porter. <laughs> Excuse me, I mean Terry Forez. As filmmakers changed the character's last name once Lopez was cast. Can you imagine Jennifer Lopez playing someone named Terry Porter? That would be ridiculous. Now, if you've never seen Anaconda, or if it's been a while, something you may not remember is that almost the entire cast is filled with actors who were movie stars in the making. And the total number of people in this movie is nine. Nine people in the whole film. 
There's a little voice work from Frank Welker as the snake, but almost all of the actors in this movie are kind of big deals. It's like watching Barry Levinson's Diner or that one season of Freaks and Geeks. Here's who's in this movie. Jennifer Lopez's documentary camera operator was a founding member of the rap group NWA Ice Cube. Dramatic performances as Doughboy in John Singleton's film Boys in the Hood and also appearing in Walter Hill's film Trespass and Charles Burnett's film The Glass Shield proved that Ice Cube could transition from music artist to successful actor. Pivoting from more serious films, Ice Cube then appeared in the 1995 comedy Friday with Chris Tucker, which was wildly successful. And then he appeared in the film Dangerous Grounds with Elizabeth Hurley, which was not successful. Regardless, Ice Cube was in high demand. And when the folks behind Anaconda were looking for someone to play the camera operator, they reportedly considered a wide range of actors, including Bill Murray, Will Smith, Ving Rhames, Albert Brooks, Keith David. Say, what if we cast anybody in this role? You know what? I'll do you one better, my movie-making chum. Get me Mr. Ice Cube on the phone. Have you heard Straight Outta Compton? That album is dope. And so Ice Cube was cast in the film. Playing the role of Dr. Stephen Kale, the lead research scientist on this expedition in the Amazon to find something. I don't know what they're looking for. We'll sort that all out when Bo gets here in a few minutes. Anyway, to play Dr. Stephen Kale in the film, the movie makers decided to use the same technique of considering just about anybody to play this part. Billy Crystal, Michael J. Fox, Ben Stiller, Ray Romano, Dennis Quaid, and the kids in the hall's own Dave Foley were all considered to play Dr. Stephen Kale. The role ultimately went to Eric Stoltz, who you may remember from the John Hughes deep cut, Some Kind of Wonderful, and The Fly 2, as well as the outtakes from the first Back to the Future movie where Eric Stoltz was originally cast as Marty McFly until they realized he was terrible and went and snagged the aforementioned Michael J. Fox. All right, who else is in this movie? Um, oh, the very likable Owen Wilson plays a very unlikable member of the production crew. Now, at the time of filming, Owen Wilson had two movies on his resume. Bottle Rocket, which he co-wrote with film auteur Wes Anderson, and Owen Wilson had a bit part in the movie The Cable Guy. His role in Anaconda did not showcase his folksy Texas charm. Mass audiences didn't get to see that on full display until Michael Bay's baytastic film Armageddon landed in theaters the following year, a film that was featured as the season finale of season 11 of this very podcast. Give it a listen if you haven't. Jonathan Hyde plays the uppity British host of the documentary film being made. Hyde is a classically trained Shakespearean actor. He took his years of hitting the boards and paying his dues and appeared in such cinematic masterpieces as Richie Rich alongside Macaulay Culkin, where Hyde was, of course, the butler Cadbury. He was also the dad slash hunter in the film Jumanji. And the same year that Anaconda was released, teenage girls saw Mr. Jonathan Hyde repeatedly in theaters as he played Jay Bruce Ismay in James Cameron's Titanic. Danny Trejo has a small part as a poacher. Trejo is best known for his collaborations with filmmaker Robert Rodriguez, more specifically the character Machete. Vincent Castellanos plays Mateo in Anaconda. Castellanos had a small part in The Crow, City of Angels, and he's probably the least known performer of the nine in Anaconda. Kari Wurr was cast to play Denise, another member of the documentary production crew. Wurr's career started on the MTV game show Remote Control and was on the TV series Swamp Thing that came out in the 90s. She was also on a season or two of Beverly Hills 90210 where she played Ariel Hunter. As for feature films, she appeared in Andrew Dice 
Clay's movie, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, and Beastmaster 2. I'm not sure which one of those is worse than the other. She landed a role in John Singleton's Higher Learning and got a pretty solid part in the film adaptation of Stephen King's novel Thinner about a fat guy who gets skinny because of a gypsy curse. And all of this led to her being on a boat in the Amazon with everybody else I just mentioned. All right, let's see, did I get everybody? There's Ice Cube, Eric Stoltz, there's Hyde, and there's J-Lo, Wilson, Castellanos, Welker, and Trejo. And how could I not recall the most famous cast member of all? John Voight plays Nefarious Paul Cerrone. Sorry. <laughs> John Voight plays the Nefarious Paul Cerrone in Anaconda. Filmmakers originally considered Jean Reno, Sean Connery, Tommy Lee Jones, Jack Nicholson, yeah right, Kirk Douglas, John Malkovich, Liam Neeson, and Martin Sheen for this role, but ultimately it was John Voight who would play the always glaring and crafty snake hunter Paul Cerrone. Voight got his start in acting in theater, which led to some TV work where he appeared in small parts across multiple shows in the 1960s, including Gunsmoke, which everybody appeared on an episode of Gunsmoke at one time or another back then. But very early in his career, John Voight landed the role of Joe Buck in John Schlesinger's 1969 film Midnight Cowboy, opposite Dustin Hoffman, who played Ratso Rizzo. The movie won Best Picture at the Oscars and is the only X-rated movie to have this honor. This was back when X-rated movies didn't mean porno. We did a whole bit on the MPAA rating system in season six, episode six, featuring the raunchy, sexy movie Showgirls. Go give that a listen and make yourself a bit smarter. John Voight and his co-star Dustin Hoffman were both nominated for an Academy Award. Voight, however, lost to John Wayne for his performance in the movie True Grit. That loss didn't really impact John Voight's career, which took off after Midnight Cowboy, where he went on to appear in Mike Nichols' Catch-22 and John Borman's adaptation of Deliverance starring Burt Reynolds. When Steven Spielberg decided to adapt the novel Jaws for the silver screen, it was actually John Voight that was his first choice to play Hooper, the role that ultimately was filled by Richard Dreyfuss. Um, what else do you need to know about John Voight? He's an amazingly talented actor. Um, he's appeared in some truly brilliant films, including the Vietnam era drama Coming Home, for which he won an Academy Award. John Voight has appeared in some real cinematic turds, including every single one of those baby genius movies, all of which he helped produce in one way or another. Speaking of things that he helped produce, John Voight is the estranged father of actress Angelina Jolie. John Voight has also been quite outspoken politically, recently proclaiming that the United States was engaged in the greatest fight since the Civil War and that the battle of righteousness versus Satan is happening because these leftists are evil, corrupt, and they want to tear. You know what? We can just stop right there. Good God. When Anaconda hit theaters, it was number one at the box office, topping Jim Carrey in Liar Liar and Val Kilmer in The Saint. Reviews at the time the movie was released, they were mixed. Movie-going audiences didn't care what a bunch of self-righteous film snobs had to say. They went to the theater and plunked down their cash to see a giant snake eat people. 
Anaconda cost $45 million to make and it pulled in $137 million at the box office. It was successful enough to inspire three sequels and a crossover film with the monster crocodile over in Lake Placid. And currently there are talks of a reboot of the Anaconda film series because of course there is. Anaconda didn't win any awards in cinematic achievement. It did get a slew of golden raspberry nominations, including worst picture, worst director, worst screenplay, worst actor, and worst screen couple, John Voight and the animatronic snake. And the latter of which got its own nomination as worst new star. <laughs> oh my God. Although the animatronic Anaconda didn't win any awards, it did find a new home at the San Francisco, California Academy of Sciences, where it was used as part of an exhibit about the rainforest, helping to educate people about how giant snakes have robot innards. I love a happy ending. But what about the movie Anaconda? Is it, as Joe Lydon from Variety criticized, a silly and plotting Jaws ripoff about a 40-foot man-eating snake? Or is it, as praised by New York Times film critic Stephen Holden, a trashy and entertaining reptilian version of Jaws set in the steaming heart of the Amazon rainforest? Well, to make sense of all this senselessness, let's get Mr. Bo Ransdell in here as we head down the river to take on this mysterious and infamously legendary 90s era classic. Ladies and gentlemen, snakes and snake hunters alike, we proudly present the 1997 Jaws ripoff, Anaconda. And welcome to Pick 6 Movies. I am Chad Cooper, and I am joined, as always, by my fork-tongued co-host and friendly offerer of Forbidden Fruits, Mr. Bo Ransdell. Bo, how are you doing this evening? Oh, diabolically, per that description. All right, off the <laughs> bat, I need to address something in the introduction that is not 100% accurate. I know that we really pride ourselves on our <laughs> introductions being yes. full of nothing but truthfulness. Edutainment is what we strive for in this program, we have often said. I said that 150 people get clocked on the head with a coconut and die each year, but that report came from a company that sold insurance to people traveling to tropical climates, and I'm guessing... <laughs> that their actuarial tables that they use for death by coconut head bonking might have been a little bit suspect. Oh, the pocket of big coconut, Chad. You hate to see it. <laughs> I included that bit of something people shouldn't believe, but probably do, or as it's known out on the street, a lie, because I knew that you, Bo Ransdell, love a good conked on the head coconut story. I'm a little disappointed to hear that now. I do like that you allowed for the number of people who get conked on the head and then get immediate amnesia which is a rampant problem and something that I, uh, an organization I like to uh, spend a lot of time uh, supporting. Mm -hmm. Gilligan's Kids. Yeah, Gilligan's Kids, GK, we call it. You know, you, you go out on the weekends, you get a couple of these kids would have been hit on the head with a coconut. They don't remember who they are anymore. It's a good time because they don't know what they like, so you just do whatever you're interested in. Sure. And tell them that's what they like, too. And I don't think I like horror movies. Shut up, kid. You're watching Reanimator. This movie has the biggest 
budget and the most movie stars of all of the films we will be discussing this season. There's an inverse effect to how good the movie is and how much it costs to make uh-huh. this season. Anaconda is no different. Anaconda is a perfectly stupid movie that cost a lot of people a lot of money to make, and that's unfortunate. The Swarm had a lot of movie stars, but I think this beats it out. If you were to put Henry Fonda and Michael Caine versus Danny Trejo and Owen Wilson, well, now that I say that out loud, that sounds like a reboot of MTV's Celebrity Deathmatch, but I still think that this movie, Pound for Hollywood Star Pound, is more weighty than anything else we're going to discuss this season. And we got some good stuff coming up. Oh my god, yes. Certainly more stars per capita in this movie. Yeah. Because in The Swarm, you've got the entire town of Marysville, lest we forget all the soldiers. There are plenty of people besides movie stars. Whereas Anaconda, there's like 12 people in the whole movie, and seven of them are honest-to-goodness movie stars. Oh yeah, you're counting the natives that they see at the very end. The Shirishama. Yeah, we'll get to that. Our movie Anaconda starts off with an opening text crawl, kind of like Star Wars, but more on a vertical plane versus a slightly diagonal horizontal plane. And it's in red. Oh, I've got it right here, Chad. Allow me, if you will. Tales of monstrous man-eating anacondas have been recounted for centuries by tribespeople of the Amazon basin, some of whom are said to worship these giant snakes. Anacondas are among the most ferocious and enormous creatures on Earth, growing in certain cases as long as 40 feet. Unique among snakes, they are not satisfied after eating a victim. They will regurgitate their prey in order to kill and eat again. Fact check, this is all bullshit. Anacondas do not actually vomit up the thing that they have just eaten just to kill and eat it again the only time that an anaconda will vomit up its meal is if it is threatened in which case it needs to eject the food so that it can flee and that's the only time it ever happens anacondas it turns out are not horrifying monsters that stalk humans for food they're just big dumb animals this snake eats a lot in this movie too he digests fast is the thing it's not just the eating you think he's got emotional issues kind of depressed and lonely which causes him to eat which leads to more depression which leads to more eating it's a vicious cycle among the anacondas in the amazon boy i've been there let me tell you sometimes you just gotta eat your feelings anacondas eat once and then they go for like what three four months without eating anything at all and digest yeah. their food this snake eats like he's the cookie monster after breaking into the keebler elf tree he's bulimic there's a real karen carpenter quality to this snake uh <laughs> as far as you know eating like gl- making a glutton of himself and then feeling that shame and then vomiting our high school biology teacher was bulimic she threw up all of her food to stay unnaturally skinny mm-hmm. she also had teeth of a meth addict and the breath of a camel you know because of all the forced vomiting <laughs> yeah eating disorders just fluttered all around us in childhood uh and and still do why is this opening text crawl here one it's factually inaccurate <laughs> Yeah. Is it just here to set up the one, excuse me, two scenes later 
earlier in the movie where this anaconda pukes up something it ate earlier? And I think just to set the table as far as like, no guys, we're serious. Anacondas are really, really scary. And then somebody was like, bullshit. And they were like, no, no, no. Check this out. I read in this book that I just wrote that some <laughs> tribes even worship them. And also they throw up monkeys just so they can eat them again. Are you sure? I don't want to knock the audience that went to see this movie in theaters opening weekend of which I was one. And in that screening behind me in the theater was a family of at least six people who smuggled in some fresh McDonald's from the food court in the mall in the movie theater. It was the nice mall in our hometown, by the way. Mm -hmm. The shitty mall in our hometown didn't even have a theater. It had an Orange Julius. It did have an Orange Julius. It had a great Orange Julius machine, one of the biggest uh, in my memory. Maybe because I was so small when I saw it. I was afraid of falling into that thing and accidentally drinking orange juice. And you know how I am with rejecting all forms of fruit. You throw it up like an anaconda. I do. It's like anacondas and monkeys all over again. Back to my insulting the audience that saw this movie in the theater. I don't want to knock the audience that went to see this movie in the theaters, but I don't think that any of them took any time to read this opening crawl at all. I didn't come here to read, nerds. I came here to see a snake eat people. Wow, you know, I'm surrounded by like-minded cheapskates and lowlifes, sucking down all these Big Macs and filet fish and quarter pound of french fries. I see Coke and Thick Shake Sundays and apple pies. I saw Lake Placid. This ain't nothing but Lake Placid with no legs. It's the the Lieutenant Dan Lake <laughs> anaconda you got magic legs <laughs> she tasted like cigarettes anaconda to everything turn so the movie starts off proper and we get in red font on a black background columbia pictures presents a film by Louis losa anaconda and i'm like really losa gets top billing <laughs> diva also a film by i think is pushing it yeah i do like the inya style music playing in the background i do love zamfir pan flutes both i'm telling you we were a half step away from sailing away in these credits <laughs> opening up the book of days a little Orinoco flow. Sail away, sail away, sail away. Because our movie only has nine people in it, we get them all real quick in the opening credits. Jennifer Lopez gets top billing, followed by Ice Cube, then John Voight, Eric Stoltz, Jonathan Hyde, Owen Wilson, Kari Wurr, but then Vincent Castellanos and Danny Trejo share the same billing as their names are on screen at the same time. I'm like, Castellanos is in this movie a heck of a lot more than Trejo. It's kind of strange that they share billing when there's so few people even in this movie it feels a little insulting less so for danny treo maybe that was what his agent got him uh, is like hey we're not getting some and featuring and also do they dub danny treo in this movie i don't know it sounded like it it did not sound like the danny treo that i know and love speaking of danny trejo we cut to inside a houseboat on a river where we find a sweaty panicking and surprisingly mustache less danny trejo speaking in what Bo is hypothesizing is dubbed Portuguese into this radio calling for help and seeing Danny Trejo without his mustache is quite off-putting it's like seeing Nick Offerman or Tom Selleck without their signature cookie dusters yeah it's like when Sam Elliott did the contender and played a guy named Kermit and you're like wait a second Sam Elliott no mustache his name is Kermit none of this should work but somehow he's sexy as hell Ned Flanders called his mustache a cookie duster this what it says in my notes that one of our researchers put in here and there's also a note that says john holmes called his mustaches muff duster i don't know what that means i'll have to ask him later <laughs> i'll draw you a picture <laughs> 
<laughs> but so Trejo, he's screaming for help. Excuse me, Trejo's being dubbed for help. Yeah, and there's monkeys in cages freaking out. Did you see any semen or feces flying around? Because that's what I was hoping for. Well, I don't know. The whole movie, you could argue, is just one series of poop <laughs> flying across your eyes. But Somebody's getting jerked off. <laughs> yeah. It's the audience. He is clearly in danger. He grabs a revolver to protect himself with and is going to board up the windows and doors of this pilot house that he's in on this boat is he high on hallucinogenic cocaine that you can only get down in south america i assume it's space cocaine because this is where you find the crystal skull shed and we know that all the ancient aliens are just sick in central and south america that's their stomping grounds i like that the movie gives us this quick flash of a newspaper article on the wall with three men holding a snake but you can't make out who each of them are yet bo and i also like that danny trejo he was really proud of getting a little press in the daily amazon times newspaper so you know just kind of cut it out tacked it up on the wall he's like you did that danny trejo you made it into the newspaper good for you and your friends machete may not text but he sure enough clips (laughs) so he's banging up boards to protect himself from whatever hallucination his mind is concocting that's gonna kill him one presumes a stained glass night brought to life the floorboards start banging up under his feet like he's about to get attacked by one of those tremors worms so he starts pulling the boards off of the door frame that he just hastily nailed up and he runs outside still with gun in hand he climbs to the top of the sailing mast to get away from this creature that's in the water and all of this looks suspiciously like the end of the movie jaws where brody reaches the top of the mast with a gun in his hand except this time chad this is how hardcore anaconda is it's like nah in our movie if roy scheider climbed to the top of the mast he'd see what was coming for him and shoot himself in the head and that's what danny trejo does uh we see the camera kind of whip around him to imply the film's titular anaconda coming for him instead of suffering that horrifying fate that the scrawl at the beginning of the movie told us was a fate worse than death uh-huh. he uh he takes the easy way out and uh and shoots himself just like hitler <laughs> yeah well you know maybe ava did him first and you know i'm not sure how that went down you know hitler did pop a cyanide capsule in his mouth before he shot him you know <laughs> he was double tapping himself the left one won't get you the right one will but you know leave it to hitler to like over plan even in his death that guy was organized to a fault chad this is essentially the movie's opening equivalent to the girl swimming naked in the ocean when the shark attacks in jaws but here it's danny trejo high on hallucinogenic cocaine with monkeys screaming in cages disappointingly not throwing feces and semen fade out fade back in and we are now at the Ariel jungle hotel in brazil mm-hmm. deep in the amazon we are told we see jennifer lopez or j-lo as she prefers to be called and she's uh-huh. on this computer looking at the internet circa the late 90s which i was like but they have the internet in this remote hotel in the amazon <laughs> she's just googling lost tribes making some notes this web page she's looking at and she's very intent about studying it it has three giant images of natives in the jungle and what appears to be a single paragraph comprised of two sentences and she's really into this web page 
And it honestly looks like something that you would crank out after a four-hour training class down at the rec center called Make Your Own Web Page, HTML Basics, ages 6 to 75. I'm surprised there wasn't a little animated under construction gif with a guy with a jackhammer, you know, pardon our dust. <laughs> a dancing banana or something. Yeah, I mean, it's just a GeoCities page. There's a counter in the corner that says 14. <laughs> the forum for this site is crazy. JLo hears something outside and there's a knock at the door and she answers it and it's Eric Stoltz. And the dialogue here is so filled with forced exposition, it's almost charming. It's like a black and white movie from the 40s. Because JLo says, Professor Eric Stoltz, when did you get in? Eric Stoltz says, a couple of days ago. I was talking to some guides. Perhaps they would know the whereabouts of the tribe that we're looking for. And you're like, hmm, okay, well, we're looking for a tribe. Mm -hmm. Some white guys down in the jungle. This is probably going to end well. I was very happy to know that I could hire you as a film director to film the voyage we're about to go on, traveling down the Amazon in search of this lost tribe of the Shirishama. And J-Lo says, you get us there and I'll shoot it. Shoot them. Shoot them with the camera. I'll make a documentary about these people. Your people. Those people. The natives of me. You know what? Just quit talking. Ha <laughs> ha. Wonderful. I would have been here sooner, but you know attacked by piranha and all look at the dirt on my clothes i'm a real mess and by that i mean a real man also did you notice how my shirt is unbuttoned to expose my pectoral muscles and naturally hairless chest for your enjoyment and possible arousal we kind of leave it there with the sexual tension hanging thin in the air <laughs> between these two so we cut to the next day and we get to see the boat which is the primary set of our whole movie i do enjoy the fact that this truly is just like a big floating set that they're on for most of the film and JLo finds Ice Cube down at the dock and we get a little bit of a flirt with a, an Ice Cube lyric here where she's like hey how are you Ice Cube and he's like I think it's a good day and you're like wait a second if he says anything about his AK uh, this movie could just go fuck itself they don't go that far but speaking of exposition the audience sees Ice Cube as like what the fuck is Ice Cube doing in the Amazon the movie quickly tells you that he's been hired on to shoot the movie because he knows her from southern california or usc mm -hmm. and is there to actually be the cameraman it's not every day my girl from sc gets to direct a documentary and i see this is a pleasure cruise which is a reference that he makes, kind of giving a head nod over to Professor Eric Stoltz being on the ship off in the distance, talking to sexy boat captain Mateo. And there's a quick moment where Mateo tells Professor Eric Stoltz that they're going to need to take a detour on their journey because the plot of the movie requires this to happen to introduce our movie's nefarious snake hunter in about seven minutes. Yeah. And Mateo is also given J-Lo a little bit of the eye as she's getting on board which in fairness this is like a very young vibrant beautiful jennifer lopez hard to blame him i thought you were gonna say that sexy boat captain mateo was a young vibrant beautiful specimen both of them i would pay more to see this movie if there were one good fuck scene between them you know that would have been awesome and if those monkeys had been there slinging feces and semen the one thing that i would love to see <laughs> in this movie doesn't have the bravery for it is for the romance to be between her and ice cube no nah, they're not gonna do that 
bad. Which would have been the best, though. Because as soon as he was like, how about we throw these son of a bitches overboard? Then immediately she would have been like, you're right, Ice. We ought to get rid of these guys immediately. J-Lo walks over to Mateo and Eric Stoltz, and she says, Mateo, I want to take the boat over there. I want to get some drifting shots. And Mateo replies, as you wish, jefe which is Portuguese for boss, according to Google Translate. Well, she's looking out for this dude, Westbridge, who is the British fop of our film. Oh, yeah. Who apparently is just there to narrate. He's maybe a naturalist. He's like the host of the documentary. I don't know if it's sort of a parody of like a David Attenborough kind of figure, that British, hey, I'm going to go out into the jungle sort of thing. This is Jonathan Hyde that we talked about in the intro. Yes. And as he gets on the boat, he's shouting at this man who is handling Westbridge bags as they board the boat Westbridge says careful my good man careful those are filled with Bordeaux expensive wine you there woman with your baseball cap turned backwards help me with my bags and this is Kari Wurr of remote control fame as you said or eight-legged freaks she was also in that movie anyway she says ugh I'm the production manager. I'm not your stupid bag getter and carrier. Production manager, you say? Well, you can manage these things to my room. And that's a direct line from the movie. Manage these bags to my room. Pretty good. And Owen Wilson, who uh, is surprisingly in this movie, chimes in after Westbridge passes by. Uh He's like, Oh, you know, it's it's kind of a sign of respect in some cultures when somebody asks you to carry their bags, you know, you just, it, it's something just kind of nice and kind that you do. Oh boy. You know, it's, it's like how I, re- I respect you so much that I ask you to do my laundry, you know, and rub my feet at night. Those are the kind of intimate moments that I only share with you and, you know, a dozen or so other women that are in my life. Kari were. By the way, you want to rub these tootsies? They're getting a little sensitive. <laughs> so, yeah, so we kind of introduce all our characters now. And, and all Westbridge, but one bow. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> and Westbridge meets JLo on the ship and says, Oh, yes, I saw your short films. They were very promising, which is a real asshole thing to do. But it reminded me a lot of when Jerry Dandridge told Roddy McDowell his vampire films were very amusing. It's that kind of vibe and energy. And I'm, I really enjoy it. We get a shot where Professor Eric Stoltz picks up a scuba air tank. And I'm immediately thinking, are we gonna blow up this snake with compressed air spoilers they don't instead ice cube is like you look like a busted ass jacques Cousteau. and eric stoltz just speaks french for a second and cube is like whatever that means just does not give a shit which is his whole vibe through the movie and it's the best the crew takes off down the river on the boat and we see that they are filming the opening of their documentary where they're headed into the amazon to find some mysterious indigenous tribe of people and we cut over to kari Wur and owen wilson and wilson <laughs> says oh hey hey is it just me or does the jungle make you really really horny oh my god it is totally the jungle but i've got to work like i've wanted to just strip my pants off this whole time i'm serious i've got one thing on my mind and it's putting my penis into a vagina preferably yours or maybe j-lo's you're my top pick but any port in a storm am i right let's put a pin in that and by put a pin in it i mean like literally because that's how i like it oh oh hey 
<laughs> so anyway, well, let's get to the real meat of this movie where there's this big rainstorm at night. Right? Uh-huh. As the ship is, is, I keep calling it a ship. It's a boat. If you've never seen it, just to describe this, it's got a pretty good sized base. Half of it is an open platform with like an awning covering. And then the other half of it has a two story structure. The bottom is like the rooms and the galley. And then up top is the cockpit where the pilot steers the boat. Right. And so this thing is moving through the Amazon River at night as this pounding rain is coming down. Well, it's the rainforest, Bo. It's what it does there. It rains in the forest. Naturally. And way off in the distance, you hear, Hit me! It's this voice that has an accent. It's like Hervé Villachez had a baby with Pepe the King Prawn. It's Spanish and French and English. And I think there's a hint of Tony Clifton in there for seasoning. It is all over the place. And John Voight is happy to take this thing for a walk. This is a rowdy puppy of an accent. And he is taking it around the block and over to the neighbors. It's everywhere. Help me. Help me. Hey, listen. I am an innocent man. I am kind-hearted who is in no way looking to deceive you. <laughs> My boat is stranded in the roots. Uh, yes, uh, that is the ticket. It's <laughs> so... Of course, being human beings, our heroes are like, oh, yeah, we got to help this guy. You know, Mateo, steer over there and let's get this guy. So John Boy jumps onto the boat and uh-huh. he's just like, hey, 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 yes, you can stop me at the next village. Drop me off there. It would be great. They would help me fix my boat. Maybe, you know, after I settle up some outstanding bar tabs and make good on gambling debts and pray a surprisingly large amount of child support. I'm sure they will help me out with my boat. Wait, where are we now? No, no, no. We'll stop at the next village. Not that the next village, but the next next village. Keep going up the river. My credit is no good at the next one. No, no, no. I I have two ex-wives in the first village. I have brother-in-laws in the next one. Let's go three villages down. Turn that exit 192. I'll tell you what. Let's call it an even five. An even five villages, no problem. And he also is kind of scared. Like after they're like, hey, we're glad we could save you. And they kind of filter off. He gives them this scan in the crowd with his one good eye he's got this scarred face and it's just clear that he is announcing like hey i am the villain of this movie is anyone fuzzy on that because i could pull out my knife and maybe run it on my cheek would that make it scarier i don't know i want to show you something this is my machete all right it has been three places in the sheath in the back of my brother and in the belly of my pregnant girlfriend all right it's looking for a new home so all of you stay on the up and up all right by the way thank you for saving me (laughs) oh hey that guy he's pretty cool did you see how quickly he pulled out that machete and threatened all of us you know he's got that cool scar on his face it's bigger than the one harrison ford has they wanted him for this role but his scar was too small also he's just way too big a star he wasn't gonna come within 10 feet of this thing also Also, you know what? Harrison Ford's afraid of snakes. I saw a movie about pissed his pants with him when he saw a snake. I'm pretty sure that was a documentary that I saw. He was was pretty fit. So the next day... Chad, speaking of Owen Wilson and his love affair with John Voight, John Voight is just sitting on the crook of a tree with a spear and stabs a fake fish in the water and then pulls it up and wiggles it around. Fish! River style! It's a wonderful effect. And Owen Wilson is just watching like, boy, 
Charlie, this guy, I'm telling you, he's catching fish. He seems to know his way around the jungle. I'm starting to think this guy's a good guy to have around everybody. <laughs> and so he starts dressing this fish on the back of the boat. And they're like, hey, could you maybe give us some backstory? Maybe something that'll kind of let us get our, our hooks and in, in who you are as a person, maybe? Well, J-Lo asks him. She says, so stranger, you've been on our boat for 18 hours. Why don't you tell us your name? And John Voight says me my name is paul Seron, but all of my friends call me john voight i am from paraguay originally i studied to become a priest but then i needed to see the world plus i got in trouble when i was studying to be a priest he says now i live in the jungle where i belong and i catch snakes for zoos and collectors and cube gives a real good snakes it's one of my favorite Ice Cube deliveries of the movie, where he is both afraid and incredulous at the same time. Professor Eric Stoltz, he jumps in on the action and he says, So, you were on the priesthood, eh? What you're calling now? And he's like, Aren't you listening? I just said snakes. And then Cube said, Snakes. It was all in the last scene. Pay attention, jackass. He says, and by the way, you know, I sell my snakes on the internet. The market has exploded, you know, especially on the dark web, 4chan. 8chan. I meet all kinds of interesting people there. Do you know Q? And J-Lo says, what about poaching? Hey, look, I'm not the poacher, all right? Poaching is illegal. I catch the snakes and then I sell them. Exactly the same thing, but it is 100% different. It's all done in Bitcoin. That's how you know it's on the up and up. <laughs> and then Eric Stoltz says, yeah, we're hunting the Shiri Shama Indians. The people of the mist? Oh, I've seen them, you know? Since you saved my life, listen up, okay? They're like, wait a second, you've seen them? Oh, This, they... this hidden tribe of the jungle? Absolutely, absolutely. I know where all the houses are. They are the best at Halloween. You trick a treat with the shitty Sharma, you come back with more candy than you can eat in the match. Listen. But they've never had any encounters with the outside world, so they independently develop Halloween. Well, I told them about Halloween. I said, I'm going to come back, and unless you want to see my machete in your pregnant woman's belly, you better have uh, candy for me, and not that shitty little candy. I want full-size Snicker bars and full-size Hershey bars. I would take Reese's miniatures. They are good. I like to put them in the freezer. This sounds less like Halloween than you just shaking down a village for candy right that's called it's not like poaching or it's nothing like that listen my friend jimmy shitty shama or he's the village comptroller he owes me a favor okay and um he i got him some courtside tickets uh, to that first matchup between the heat and the calves he's big fan of lebron until he left he pissed off don't bring it Anyway, he owes me a favor. All right, we got the Shiri Shama. You can make a movie. <laughs> Everything's going to be great. All right? I like that Westridge here, too, is the voice of Reza, where he kind of whispers, I bet this crazy son of a bitch has had five whiskeys already. And John Voight hears this because of his super jungle hearing or whatever. <laughs> or because he's drunk. He heard the word whiskey, and he's like, huh? You got the whiskey? <laughs> and he says, five whiskeys. That's breakfast on the river. Three martini lunches, margarita <laughs> afternoons. Basically, this character is just a soccer mom. Corey Wurr, who hasn't done anything in our movie so far, she shows up without her backward baseball cap on her hat. She kind of looks like your youngest aunt who is perpetually uh, in her late 30s and constantly complains about how all the good men are married or gay. Kari shows up. She's got a bowl of salad greens and she says, so does salad go with this fish you're chopping up over there? And hey, are you single? 
Is that guy in the village single that we're gonna go meet? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Saturday would be perfect, little baby bird. Is what he calls it, a little baby bird. Eh. Oh my god, he, did you hear that? He called me baby bird. I've got a pet name from the mysterious stranger who threatened us with a machete. <laughs> You know, I've been reading Live, Laugh, and Love, and two out of three ain't bad, am I right? You're so handsome, you know? Do you have any friends that might be handsome and financially stable? The boy's like, nah, listen, most of the men I know, they're killers and rapists. Wink, wink. Night falls on Uh this horned-up crew, and Kari Wurr is just dancing all sexy Uh in, like, the, the common room. Yeah, to Ziggy Marley's Tipsy Daisy. Cube smoking a blunt. Of course. Has the swisher going. And Owen Wilson's just like, wow, you guys really know how to get down. I'm really glad that, you know, you guys are here to really celebrate this with me. I'm really excited about this trip. Look, I don't want to say this. This is going to be crazy. Like, I knew that we were going to go on this journey, okay? And it was going to be a spiritual awakening. And I had everything planned, what we were going to do every step of the way, all right? I feel like this started as sort of a planned documentary. And now it's really become an adventure for all of us. And, and part of the adventure is being honest with ourselves. Am I the only one here who is getting a major boner every time you see John Voigt over there kill something with that machete? I mean, it's really sexy, right? Here in the jungle watching him murder fish and threaten all of you? You know, when he talked about where his machete's been, that third place, that's where I popped. That's something I didn't know about myself before, and oh wow, it's something. So we're off in the jungle, and it's here that our animatronic slash sometimes CGI star of the movie shows up quite unceremoniously, and we see the titular animatronic anaconda in our movie who is just peeking out of the bushes at the boat as it passes by hello welcome to the jungle oh what is that it appears the jungle cat has stepped into my path and there is this like straight up like black jaguar just hanging out in the jungle at night and this snake starts slithering real close because you know he's one cool customer earlier in the movie i killed danny trejo and i'm hungry now here Kitty, kitty, please don't be afraid. My little feline friend, there's nothing suspicious here. Oh my goodness, what's that over there? And this black cat just goes, huh? This snake just grabs this jaguar, wraps it up real fast, all CGI-like, then just starts squeezing this cat dummy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want to hold you in my coils. It squeezes this jaguar so hard, Chad, Mm -hmm. that as it drags it off, the camera lingers to see the eye that popped out of its jaguar skull. Yep. I took everything, but I left the eye. It is my calling card. Anaconda wants to get caught. He's toying with the police now. (laughs) He wants the cops to come after him. I see you standing over the body of another dead snake hunter. Tell me, Ice Cube, what is it you see at night when you go to bed on that houseboat? As if seeing documentary host Westbridge complaining about wine in his luggage, and we saw him sipping booze from a crystal glass earlier, and his British accent, all of this really paints him as a pompous ass. To put the cherry on top of everything of him being an elitist prick, our movie shows him whacking golf balls into this large metal frame that has a net, and he's also standing on a piece of artificial turf as Ice Cube sits nearby, blasting a CD player with the hip-hop sounds of folk life 
Uh-huh. Filling the Jungle Air, as performed by Mac-10, uh-huh. who wrote that song with Ice Cube. That's right. Yeah, Cube's on the track. It's Cube listening to himself. And, I mean, as Mac-10 songs go, it's not the best, but it's fine. It's no West Coast connection. It's fine. Westbridge marches over and just turns the music down on the CD player. Cube just smacks his hand away like a child. And then Westbridge marches back over and he says, I could cheerfully hire someone to kill you. And Cube responds while holding a small knife in his hand. Yeah, or I could just kill you for free right now. So Westbridge retorts, oh yes, you and what army? And Cube goes, your mama's army. Is yo mama the best way to end every argument? Especially if it's a dude wielding a knife. Yeah. You can't come back from a yo mama. In any argument, it perfectly ends any line of questioning. Would you care to hear about tonight's dinner specials? Yo mama. It certainly wraps up things with Westbridge. He goes back to his golf like the little punk he is. J-Lo is nuzzling up to John Foyt and is like, hey, are we getting close to this next village? Ah, yes, yes. We are very close. It's just around the river bend. Look up ahead. There is a carved statue with a giant snake head on top that looks like a Pokemon. Everyone, grab your attention, please. This totem with the snake at the top appears to be eating a man alive with his eyes popping out and his tongue sticking from his mouth in unimaginable pain. This is nothing to worry about. Right? This is just a Shirishama totem. Uh, put here as a false flag operation. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I know you. it may sound like uh, someone choking to death, but nah. no, that is just the way the Shirishama carved the idol so that the, when the wind goes through it, it makes a sound like the death rattle of someone being murdered by an anaconda. Yes, yes, yes. It is, uh, the, the sounds there are Antifa, pretending to be supporters of the uh, greatest president in history causing all of this trouble. Everything here, if you see trouble, is fake. All right, if you see no trouble, that's true. All right, so we got to go down the village. Not this village, the next one. Don't stop here, all right? They hate me in this village. To get to the Shirishama, you have to go through a waterfall protected by great warrior snakes and then you find a wall and then as he's telling this story eric stoltz just strolls through and says yeah i know this story and if you follow that wall for five days you find the head of a giant anaconda why i think you've got a problem there friend you've made a mistake that's the legend of the maku not the shirishama what the fuck did you just say to me that is not the maku legend that's a shirishama legend look this area is known as uh, maku berg named after uh, uh, the shirishama head spokesperson uh maku Wahlberg. he's uh he's very famous in this area he said to say hello to your mother for him i like your pluck friend but i'm afraid i'm gonna have to steer our boat this direction i'm pretty sure that you're full of shit hey with all due respect your mama Mm, he does have a point Mateo, though, sides with Eric Stoltz, and John Boy <laughs> looks real pissed about this. Uh, hey, Mateo, I thought we were in Kahuam. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, uh, a strange, sexy boat captain. Uh, I thought, never mind. Go this way. <laughs> So we get a little bit of Westbridge narrating, and then John Voight just steps into the shot and says, Maku, whatever. I know what I know. Baba Booey, Baba Booey, Howard Stunt's penis. Hey, what's a classic? You know what? Screw you guys. Forget what I said about five villages down. You take me to the next one. It'll be fine. 
And then just drop me off. You know what? Stop about the 100 yards this side of the village. I don't want them to see me, okay? I know the right way to go in. It, I can avoid. There's some guys playing dominoes. I owe them a few bucks. So it's night, and J-Lo's hanging out with Ice Cube. And then Owen Wilson and Kari Wurr show up to announce that they're going to wander off into the jungle at night to capture some natural sounds of two people having sex out in the jungle. At this point, the camera pans over to John Voight, who's kind of pretending to sleep, and he's sneering into the darkness with one eye right yeah it's kind of his thing in this movie just sneering that and lying to people and being a murderer and a deceitful jerk he's not a very nice person in this movie like i said he's having a blast playing this so it's hard to fault him he is having so much fun with this role it's worth it just to watch him and of course while they're out there owen wilson is having a little of that wacky tobacco chat kari Wur and owen wilson head to shore and on the bank they're capturing some audio of the jungle and all and then owen wilson who's you know spoken up a little dube is like oh hey you know i i, I know you said you want to pin a pin in that conversation about me putting a penis in you i was wondering if maybe we could circle back to that now that we're out here in the jungle and all alone and i don't know if you noticed but i got a boner tent in these shorts like nobody's business this is a scary monster movie this is the part of the movie where two young people wander off to have sex and get high and clearly we've met criteria of at least one of those because i'm stoned to the bejesus okay so i guess the only thing that's left for you and me to do is you know to have sex preferably with you topless and then one of us will get killed wait this movie's pg-13 we won't get too much gratuitous nudity okay uh, in the form of bare breasts maybe we could just get a shot of your side boob all right i'll tell you what how about i just put my hand down here and we're just gonna do finger stuff the camera can't even see that so they start kissing and then all of the insects in the jungle go totally quiet. Yeah. And Kari Wurr notices the silence and she says, listen, do you smell something? Of course. <laughs> as soon as they are alerted to the silence, then there's a squeal and you see like the camera POV chasing them and they take yeah. off running. It's this dollar store evil dead tracking shot. Long story short, they're being chased by a boar that John Voight shoots. He pops up and kills this wild pig. And I wanted to know, did John Voight go out in the jungle to protect these two? Or does he just get his jollies watching strangers have sex out in the woods? Can it be both, Chad? I mean, there's room for nuance in people's motives. I think there's an element of, hey, maybe the snake will come after them and I'll capture the snake there. Maybe I'll just watch them fuck and I'll do a little rub and tug of my own, you know? One way or the other, somebody's shooting something. How about you 69 for a second, huh? No, her on top. I like the gravity on the boobs. Eek, eek, I am a monkey, okay? Listen, I am just... <laughs> I'm a parrot who learned to speak from the local natives who know English, which is kind of, you know, with a Spanish and French accent and a little bit of Tony Clifton thrown in for a good measure, huh, okay? Don't even worry about it. I'm like a little otter. I'm a river otter. I'm very playful and very nice. <laughs> we get back to the boat and Professor Eric Stoltz, he grabs his pistol as he hears people marching through the jungle and sexy boat captain Mateo, he shines a light over in the brush and out comes Kari Wurr, Owen Wilson, and John Voigt now dragging this dead wild boar behind him. Hey, listen up, okay? The these two are very lucky that I have a fetish for watching people have sex uh, without their consent. Otherwise, this boy would have killed them both. Owen Wilson chimes in. Oh, hey, you should have seen it. 
This guy was amazing. He blasted Pumbaa right here, saving both of us. I'm totally high. This guy's the greatest human being on planet Earth. Forget Greedo, man. This guy shot first. There's no question. I mean, seeing him come out of the mist like that, it was like some kind of superhero or some kind of iconic medieval warrior just rising up out of nowhere and killing this boar. I'm telling you, I almost came again. Professor Eric Stolt says, Okay, from now on, everybody stays on board at night. No exceptions. That seems like one of those boat rules that should go without being stated. Like, always flush the toilet and don't drink river water. Yeah. Speaking of bullshit river suggestions, Chad, our next scene is Westbridge hitting his golf balls, listening to opera now while Uh they cruise up the river. All of a sudden, the boat just jerks to a halt. Uh It turns out that the rope has been caught up in the propeller. Professor Eric Stoltz says, maybe I should get in the river and cut it loose. When somebody says, I can't remember, it might have been Q, who's like, you know, the rope is in the propeller. And John Voight gives the most unconvincing, I wonder how that could have happened. It wasn't me. I mean, I haven't been back here by the rope the whole time or nothing. After Eric Stoltz says he's going to jump in the river to cut it loose, Voight chimes in, and perhaps uh, I should do it. You know, the river can kill you a thousand ways. 84 of them involve rope and boat propellers, okay? Surprisingly, one of them involves the powdered drink mix, Tang. Boy, that is a surprise. I'll tell you what, the only thing I'm scared about in that river is something called the Kandiru Aku. It's a little fish that swims up your urethra and there it extends spikes. So to get it out, they have to cut off your tallywhacker. Ice Cube chimes in. That's it, man. I'm getting back to L.A. And he's wearing a Dodgers cap. He's from California, Bo. Well, I mean, he's West Coast Connection, man. What are you going to do? So, also, Chad, I looked up the Kandiru Aku. Is that made up like the vomiting snake? Completely bullshit, yes. Uh, it's only happened like one time ever in the history of everything. So, yeah, the, it is not a thing that ever happens. What, you mean the part where they chop off your dick to get rid of it? No, the fact that a fish swam into a person's urethra, best I could find, happened exactly one time. But we're a good third into this movie, and none of the characters in this film have any real sense of agency other than John Voight and maybe Professor Eric Stoltz but everyone else is just a flat two-dimensional character defined by their gender or their job or their clothing including the actress and actor that got top billing in the film everyone's purpose in this movie is just to make a documentary and it all seems so incredibly thin you know why they don't make documentaries about making documentaries because it's boring it's really frustrating because as you said in your intro this was always sort of going to be an elevated B-movie, essentially. But the only way for it to be elevated is to make it better than the Roger Corman stuff that proliferated screens in the 70s and 60s and whatnot. They never do that. They're just stereotypes. There's just the arrogant British guy. Ice Cube is just kind of surly in the movie and doesn't really do anything. Nobody does anything in this yeah. movie, really, other than Voight. Right, but John Voight is the only character that has any momentum and you're right like even in this moment where eric stoltz is about to exit stage left he doesn't really do anything other than sort of challenge john Voight. but even that the stakes don't feel high there until all of a sudden they are so eric stoltz goes into the water right stoltz gets in his scuba gear yeah scuba gear goes in the water Uh uh-huh stoltz goes in the water Uh uh-huh snakes in the water our snake Uh uh-huh jaws 
Farewell and adieu. Saltz gets underwater and he starts sawing away at this rope with a knife. Topside, John Voigt just leers at J-Lo. It's a pretty good leer. Yeah, well, of course it is. It's, I like your caramel skin, eh? It's gross. And he's so oily. This is another real sweaty movie, speaking of. You know, though, the costuming in this looks incredibly comfortable. It's all very yeah. loose, flowing clothes. If I was in the Amazon, this is what I would want to wear. Hey, shout out to the costume designer of Anaconda. I think it was just the gap. There's a banana republic on the way. <laughs> While he's cutting stuff away, Eric Soltz is underwater. He just starts flipping out and screaming for help and stuff. Ice Cube and Owen Wilson jump into the water yeah. to pull him up onto the boat deck. Oh, wow. He, he, I think he's in real trouble over here. JLo confirms that. He's not breathing. And then sexy boat captain Mateo, he opens up Eric Stoltz's mouth and finds this huge bug. And Mateo says, he's a wasp, deadly, a poisonous. And I was like, you know what? I kind of feel like the poisonous part should come before the deadly part in that sentence. Dude, I had the exact same note. <laughs> That's so funny. And even the, in parentheses, the deadly poisonous. It is completely the wrong order for that. <laughs> John Voight then is like, everybody get back. I got this. Uh, anyone got a ballpoint pen? I have a little trick I'm going to show you. He performs an emergency tracheotomy with an ink pen and his pocket knife. Uh-huh. That's right. And Owen Wilson is like, Oh, hey, this guy is the coolest son of a bitch I've ever seen in my life. Did you see that? He saved his life just by sticking a knife in his neck and then jamming a bick in there. And he gurgled for a bit, but he's breathing now. He's like a doctor and a handyman and a guy who might, you know, make you want to marry another guy, even though you like girls. He's just the greatest thing in the world. I got to tell you, I was never real close with my dad growing up. And I, I kind of want to build a soapbox racer with this guy. I, I can, let me ask you a question. If I walk over and I ask him for a hug, non-sexual hug right now. You think he'd give me one or do you think that machete's going to come out and go on my belly? Is it weird I just want to smell him? I just want to get real close to his face and, and really get a whiff, you know? J-Lo and Kari were. They are now seen nursing Eric Stoltz back to health as Eric Stoltz lay acting less in a bed where he will remain for the majority of our movie. I love the description as acting less. Yeah, because that's all he does. He occasionally stirs. That's the most action we get out of him. Do you find it strange that Eric Stoltz, who was a known actor at this time, is just completely removed from this film at this point? When I saw it in the theater, I was like, what are they doing here? It was like when I saw The Village where Joaquin Phoenix, when he gets all busted up and he's just gone for the last two acts of that movie. I feel like they hired too many cast members and they were like oh my god look at this stacked ass cast we got you made a mistake you accidentally hired two eric stoltz's yeah oh shit well we we've got contracts we can't fire ice cube what are we gonna do and so they were like look here's what we're gonna do we're just gonna pay them both we got we got all the money in the world for this movie 41 million dollars i thought you had 45 million dollars we have 41 million dollars danny you don't think that space cocaine is free do you so they just were like hey we're gonna have eric stoltz sleep for half of the movie and then all of the stuff he would have normally done in the film we're just gonna <laughs> let ice cube do all that and then he just wakes up at the end when they can all be together and happy again <laughs> They go over to the radio to ask for help. And guess what? That radio don't work because if it did, the movie would end way too quickly. And we haven't seen anyone eaten or crushed by an anaconda yet. And so John Voight says, you know, we have to, hey, you know, uh, Eric Stoltz, he needs to get to a hospital. We can either go the way we went yesterday or we go this way that I said we should go uh, before. I like 
We're going to go down this path, all right? He goes uh, uh, just past Big Snake Pass, and then we turn him this way, and he goes past Ophidian Falls, and there is a hospital in this village. It is the best, it is the best hospital in all of the jungle, okay? Technically, it's a veterinary clinic, but it's still the best, all right? The doctors there, very good. They treat everything. Dogs, cats, people, hamsters, uh, giant snakes that I'm trying to capture. It's, it's a great place, all right? And the guy owes me a favor. So let's go there. We'll get Eric Stoltz fixed up, and on the way, we'll catch a giant snake. Everyone's going to be happy, okay? To your point about none of the characters really have any agency, at this point, Ice Cube whispers to J-Lo, like, yo, I'm not so sure about this guy. Look, what are we going to do? We don't have any choice. He knows the way to the hospital. We have to rely on him. It's a good hospital. I'm going to tell you. Look, it's under new management. That is all is a good sign you see under nude management listen okay listen all right we go to this village past huge snake falls and then there's i didn't want to tell you this but i'm going to tell you now there's a pink berry there you can get some froyo you like froyo they got a blowout bar for all the ladies you go in there you get touched up all right you know what i'm saying j-lo i hear that your relationships are troubled these days you've been married what uh three times Three divorces, engaged five, three, you know, it's a trouble. I don't think that's relevant, I mean. I hear you're back with being Affleck, you know, you get together. The last time you made Gilly, that movie killed Martin Brest's career, huh? The man directed Beverly Hills Cop and Midnight Run sent of a woman. Me, Joe Black, killed Martin Brest's career. Listen, every director can have one mistake, all right? Me, Joe Black. Then he makes Gilly with these two, and his career is dead, all right? So, look, shit, what's I going to do with my career? I'm in the movie with you. Do me a favor, you know what? Jay, look, rub some of this powdered snake food on your skin for the good luck so we can make it to the hospital, okay? I'm going to my cabin. So the boat heads down the river at night. Let's just do a quick check. How many characters do we have left? Seven and a half on the boat? That sounds right. And so they come to this big wall in the river. John Boy is like, eh, no need to panic. I, uh, I, I've been planning for just such an occasion. Look at this. Dynamite, okay? Huh? <laughs> Which I don't know where he got all this dynamite from. That's what you do. You, you carry dynamite. I carry machetes. Huh? We blow up this bridge, and then we head down to the next village where there is an imaginary hospital that I made up, and then everything is going to be good, all right? Wait, what's that thing you said about it being imaginary? Oh, yes. You cannot imagine how impressive it is. It is beyond your imagination. It is beyond my imagination. We will get there. Everyone is going to be... Look, you look surprised, okay, as if I'm the movie's bad guy. All right? All right. Look, I've got a stack of dynamite. I'm the good guy. How many times do bad guys have satchels full of dynamite? Right? That's crazy. Okay? You look surprised I don't have a mustache to twirl around. Okay? And soliloquize my evil scheme out loud so everyone can hear it. Okay? We're just going to blow up the bridge and go to the, the hospital that does not exist. Again, you said the hospital that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist the way that a normal hospital exists. It's better than that, okay? They don't even charge for parking. Oh, that does sound nice. And it's free valet. Oh. Think about that. Do you have to tip the valet? No, you don't have to tip. It's the jungle. You just give him a banana or show him one of your titties. It's crazy. I think we're going to go with the banana, but I like it. While she's kind of hemming and hawing, Westbridge is like, oh, just blow the thing up. Hey, I like this guy. He's on Team Void. I got there with you, Owen Wilson. Team Void? Oh yeah, I'll I'll come help you set the charges or whatever. I'm I, look, I'm I'm Team John Void all the way. I'm really having a great time with. I him. love this guy. He's got a crooked nose. I got a crooked plan. Oh, listen to this. It's so nice. This guy's such a sweetheart. Quit, get away. Quit sniffing me. You're making me creep out. I had to get a snootful. I'll give you a snootful. 
Enjoyed that one. Weird though. I think he doesn't react well to salads. So Voight and Wilson jump in the water and start placing these charges. And we get a little spooky snake cam action going on. Owen Wilson says, oh, hey, I think there's something down here in the water. And I don't just mean my trouser snake. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I really mean it. Oh, I really mean it too. There's snakes. No, I mean it, mean it. There's something in this water. No, I'm telling you, it is a big snake. You are probably going to be eaten by it. I have to tell you, you don't stand much of a chance. I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying. You're taking this somewhat figuratively, okay? Listen, I'm in the water. There's something around here swimming around that I think uh -huh. might want uh -huh. to do me harm. Yes, it is a big snake. Listen, you stoned idiot. You are very useful to me, but you are very frustrating to talk you to. You have got the most beautiful set of blue eyes. I just want to die in and go swimming all right up you come and so he pulls them out of the water <laughs> and they get back to the boat they blow the fuck out of this wall they full river quiet this thing <laughs> yeah this knocks all their gas barrels off the back of the Dumb. boat except for one and sinks those it's like donkey kong on top of losing all their fuel they are now rained down upon by a bunch of snakes yeah normal size snakes not me this time and here, Ice Cube gives the most unintentionally hilarious line of this movie as all these little baby snakes come falling from the sky when he says, God damn it, these snakes! <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sure, because the snakes of the Amazon are always hard. Boy jumps in and he says, these are the babies. All of them are the babies. Go back to your mother's babies. Bye, baby. <laughs> Give me a kiss, little baby snake. You know what? <laughs> Look at these little guys, all right? One of the snakes bites Westbridge on the finger and is like wrapping around it. And he's like, oh, someone come help me. You know, really Dr. Smithing it up. Why doesn't he take his hand that doesn't have a snake on it and yank the snake off the hand that does have a snake on it because he's a british dandy that's not what british dandies do and so john boy comes over and he just grabs the snake and pulls it off and then he gives it a little sweetie and throws it over the side uh -huh. and this is where uh kari were is like hey you guys no one's talking to me and i have important exposition we only have one day's worth of fuel left the movie then cuts to john voight who is captaining the ship and he's up top and he's like eh, okay okay i am captaining the ship now did you see captain phillips i'm the captain now that's a quote from that movie pretty good yeah. i did not finish the movie captain phillips to anybody I'm sure that the pirates turned out to be the good guys and they've long, happy lives. Okay. I got to, I am the captain now. And I thought that is a great way to go. <laughs> So I'm doing that. I'm the captain now. Look at me, John Voight, the captain, all right? Poop, poop. I'm driving a boat. John Voight, riverboat captain, architectural imagineer, coming up with fake hospitals and kisser of baby snakes. This is going swimmingly for John Voight, okay? Ice Cube checks in on J-Lo and Eric Stoltz, who is still, of course, passed out for this movie. How is Eric Stoltz? I'm taking over his role, and I want to make sure he's not going to wake up anytime soon. No, no. He's showing no signs of caring about being in this movie. Yeah, I'll be back later. She kind of wonders aloud, like, you know, I wonder where John Voight's taking us. And then the very next day, we have an answer to that question where John Voight steps on the deck and he's like, Hey, Mateo, start the boat. We see a little boat over there. I'm going to go check it out. Everybody be cool for a minute. There may be fuel over on Danny Trejo's boat. I mean, look, hey, sorry. I mean, there may be fuel on the boat of a random stranger who's owned by someone that I do not know or have never known or been in cahoots with ever before. So let's go over to Danny Trejo's boat. I mean, Stranger's boat. And so it's Mateo and John Voight 
and Ice Cube is like, yo, I'm going to come with you to film. He hasn't filmed anything in this movie. This is the first time I think he picked up the camera. So they're walking through this waist deep water, essentially, from their boat to this busted boat that we saw at the beginning of the movie. And once they get on board, John Voight immediately finds the newspaper clipping that Danny Trejo very proudly tacked to the side of, of the wall and kind of crumples it up and stuffs in his pockets. Hey, this is not even the flattering picture of me. It's Voight, Mateo, and Trejo in the picture. And they're holding this giant snake. Yes. Like they just won the Bassmaster Classic Fishing Tournament in Alabama. It's like, have it on say cheese. Ice Cube finds this busted rifle in one of the cabins. And while he's in there, John Voight just kind of comes out of nowhere like Jason Voorhees. Come help me get this trunk. We are going to take it. Uh, it's locked. I don't know what's inside it, but, you know, find us, keep us, lose us, weep us. <laughs> he does open this trunk and looks inside, but I don't know what's in it. Is it more explosives? Is it treasure? I could not figure it out. It's just a jumble of shit. Like, we know there's a rolled up snake skin in there. Oh, uh, is that where that comes from? Yeah. I could never figure out what the other stuff was. I like when Ice Cube finds that busted up rifle. He goes, what the fuck? But the profanity in this movie is edited out because it had to have a PG-13 rating. So you just see him go, what the and then it just stops. There's another one where Ice Cube clearly drops the N-word and they ADR over that. I think he's talking about Westbridge and it's a, what is that N-word doing? Uh-huh. When the ADR happens, it's just like, what is he doing? And it's like, oh... That is not what Ice Cube said on the day. Sexy boat captain Mateo, he's off on his own. And his shirt is never really buttoned in this movie. I don't think anybody ever explained to him how buttons work. That's not really his fault. He just didn't have very good parents. All of a sudden, Bo, our star of the movie, Anaconda, shows up. It's about time. Well, hello, sexy captain Mateo. I've been watching from the bank. It's been interesting to see you at work, but now it's time for you and I to meet more intimately. I'm going to crush your spine. Sexy boat captain Mateo is then attacked by the giant anaconda because he was left alone because Cube and Voight are taking his treasure trunk off to the other boat. And this snake's head is about the size of a human head. Maybe it's a little larger. And when anaconda opens its mouth, you could see how it kind of dislodges its jaw and it just swallows up Mateo. I'm going to start with your head. And work my way down to your tootsies. That's how I eat. Back on the boat, Ice Cube says, I'm going back to save Mateo. And then J-Lo shouts at John Voight, go with him to find Mateo. And Voight says, eh, maybe some other time. Yeah. I'm a little tuckered out from the last trip over to the boat. Plus, I haven't done my afternoon leering today. Uh, you know, I'm kind of booked. For the next two hours. I'm not going back over to the boat. And so Ice Cube goes to look for Mateo. All he finds is his flashlight and, you know, brings that back. The sun is still up and he's flashing a flashlight. Why is he doing that? I don't know, Chad. There, a lot of the logic falls apart. And This whole scene is unnecessary because he goes back over to the boat and he comes back and Ice Cube's like, I didn't find Mateo. Like, just edit that scene out. You didn't need to see him leave and come back with nothing. And this is where John Voight just whips out this giant anaconda skin that he unrolls. Check this out, everyone. This is one of my used condoms. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's a 40-foot-long anaconda skin, all right? And this snake, he's bigger than this now, all right? And I got to be honest with you, I think this snake like this, he ate Mateo, okay? Yeah, we get kind of a mini origin story of him. J-Lo says, snakes don't eat people. And he goes, 
Oh no, what about this scar right here, huh? Kind of sexy, right? I just assumed that you smacked yourself in the face with that machete that you used to kill your unborn child. No, no, this was a snake. What happens is this snake, it comes up to you, it sounds a little like John Malkovich, and then it winds around you, and then it squeezes you tighter than your true love, and you get the privilege to hear your bones break before you die and your veins explode from the pressure. Oh my God. Am I the only one here who feels like I am witnessing the rebirth of Maya Angelou? This man speaks in its poetry. I have an erection with my penis and my anus at the same time. I didn't think this was even possible. My nipples are hard. Everything about me is hard. This man is a walking embodiment of sexuality for men and women alike, but mostly men and mostly me. JLo says, uh, counterpoint... What if Mateo isn't dead? Uh-huh. And how about we just wait here till morning in case he got lost inside an anaconda or whatever? Uh, count the points for that. What if he's dead? Then we're wasting time sitting around here with this guy who's got an anus boner and his nipples are sticking out. Stop smelling me, okay? Oh, well, he threw his gaze my way. He's talking about me there. I mean, he didn't use my name, I know. No, I'm talking about you. I, listen, okay? The reason I didn't use your name is I have no idea who you are. I know you're the weird guy it's... with directions who's always trying to sniff me, all right? Yeah. The name's Gary. I've got an undescribed job here on the boat. I was gonna have sex with Kari Wur, but look, anytime you want to seal the deal, I'm I'm okay with it. Uh, I hunt snakes, but I don't want anything to do with your snake, okay? Hey, maybe your snake needs a little place to hide sometimes. I'm willing to do that. We can go upstairs or downstairs, whatever you like. You know what? Come see me a little later. I might reconsider. All right. This is exciting. Now we got some common ground. We're negotiating. I really like this. Documentary host Westbridge interrupts these two flirting with one another and he decides to lose his shit in a very British way. Kari were she's freaked out and for what it's worth they don't really have any reason to really be freaked out by a killer snake right now. No one's seen a snake in this movie. They don't even know where the snake skin that he rolled out came from. Sure all this turns out to be true later but they don't really have sufficient evidence to be this edgy right now. Yeah and but Westbridge for his money is willing to turncoat pretty quick and tells john Boyd, well i mean he is an expert i'm on his side night falls it's raining we got some thunder and lightning owen wilson and kari were they're hanging out doing nothing so they decide to go to bed but before our young couple can retire for the evening john Boyd says hey listen up uh boner guy danger she is exciting no huh Oh, hey, he's talking to me again. Look, Kari War, you go off to bed without me, all right? Like, I, I want to talk to John Voigt without you around. Don't worry, okay? I'll make sure he talks about you a lot, too. I don't even care what he says about me. He looks gross. Kari War leaves, and Owen Wilson walks over to John Voigt, and he says, Oh, hey, so are we going to catch this anaconda, or what's going on? What's the plan? Tell me all about it. I got to level with you, man. I've been catching anacondas for a long time. Oh. Hey, yeah. And it requires a partner to catch in and a kind of these people. I'm totally available to be your partner in whatever way you need. Can you be truly stupid? I can be stupider than anyone you've ever met in your life. Can you blindly follow me into what is clearly a trap game? I didn't even listen to what you said, but the answer is 100% yes. I want you to think about this number. Yes. One million dollars. That is more dollars than I've ever even thought of in my life. I've never even thought of that much money before. I know. And it's the money I'm going to make after you are 
eaten and consumed by the anaconda I'm going to catch with your help. Again, didn't even listen to that last part. I was just staring into those giant baby blues. You're like Paul Newman had a baby with Hercules. There is a lot I, I don't like about you, but your pretty mouth is not one of those. You know when I said find me later? Later is now. Listen to me, all right? The money we're going to make from catching this snake is going to be huge because zoos are where all the money is at. Okay, have you been to a zoo? It's a gold mine. Do you know how much money they make from selling handfuls of pellets to feed deer? Billions, okay? And you know what? That money pales in comparison to all the spare change they get from jars that they tie to sticks, asking for donations as you walk around looking at animals shitting, pissing, do cute things, all right? Look, I have contacts in Cleveland, Tulsa. All right, there is a new zoo opening eight miles off I-75 halfway between Valdosta and the Macon, Georgia, all right? We catch this snake and we will have a payday that is going to be huge. Oh, wow. I'm totally with you here. Listen, I know what you're talking about. Zoos are such a scam. My uncle was in deer chow, retired at 37. It's where the money's at. He, he was up to his armpits in deer chow money. I'm calling this plan Operation Anaconda. You like that, huh? I love it. What I like about it is it's both lyrical, you know, it's multisyllabic, yes. and that, that really hits the ear right. I think you're really on to something here. Are you sure you just want to keep that name just for us and this project? You, We could think about this. Look, I, I, I know this is maybe thinking a little uh, cart ahead of the horse here, but what if we just call the whole endeavor Anaconda, the whole business, our partnership yeah. is, is an Anaconda? Yeah, a, a quick question. Um, why did you just take off your pants and your underwear? Oh, wow. Is that bothering you? I thought that's just where all this was headed. <laughs> Listen, I can stop stroking right now. You just say the word. And the word. I'm saying the word. And and the word is, is yes. Stop. Stop masturbating. All right. I, Simon says one word. That was four or five. No, I know. I know what you're saying. I'm just being <laughs> a pill. Give me about 12 seconds and I'm going to stop. So we cut to the next morning where we see John Voigt filling a syringe with reptile tranquilizer. Been there, done that. J-Lo walks over and Voigt says, uh, So no Mateo, huh? I told you I got him at a snack. Okay. You got to feel pretty stupid this morning, Jennifer Lopez. We could have been at the imaginary hospital like yesterday, but you wanted to fuck around, so... Anyway, it's like you don't even want to save his life. You know, if you don't, you don't. I get it. You have some insurance on him, Jennifer Lopez? <laughs> the boat is headed down the river. And for some reason, Westridge is now the cap. Down the first deck, Owen Wilson is looking through a sketchbook that shows people being killed by giant anacondas. Did you draw this? You're an artist, too? I'm telling you, this could go in a gallery. You're really something, John Voigt. You're a total package. <laughs> You're not even a triple threat. This is like four or five things deep that you do that are just mind-blowingly good. You think that's pretty good? Hey, watch this. I got a gun. Look, I'm in a tree. You see that monkey, okay? Watch this. Oh, wow. You killed that monkey. Yeah, and <laughs> he, he says, uh, you know, you can catch an anaconda without some bait. And monkeys make good anaconda bait. Ice Cube rightfully asks, man, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> 
it's the one use of the word fuck in this PG-13 movie, and it's fantastic. I wish that Ice Cube had more to do, because he's so fun in this movie, but he's just... Reading Eric Stoltz's lines? That, and just not having shit to do. Even at the finale of the movie, which we'll get to here in a few, his character still is just kind of constantly chasing the story. And it's really frustrating, because Ice Cube can be fantastic. Not just in Boys in the Hood and shit, but like, Ice Cube is really charismatic. I saw Are We There Yet? Yeah, he's very funny when he wants to be. I didn't see Are We There Yet. <laughs> Anaconda does Ice Cube a disservice. <laughs> Voight chimes in. Hey, look, I had to shoot this monkey, okay? Because every anaconda needs its bait, all right? Just like every knight needs its dawn, every cowboy sings a sad, sad song, something about roses and thorns, okay? Oh, wow. He's a poison fan, too. This is really this is really adding up to something special. J-Lo comes around. Remember, she's in our movie. And she's like, no, no dead monkeys on my boat. And Voight says, Hey, you speak for everybody? Hey, how about you, Owen Wilson? This is Jello. I speak for you, okay? Well, no, I mean, I speak for myself, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pro-John Voight at this point. I mean, look, let me just lay this out for everyone, okay? We don't know anything about being in the jungle. Guess where we are, everyone? We're in the jungle. So let's let Jungle Guy here lead us to safety after he catches his snake or whatever, and then we're all just going to, like, this is, I said at the very beginning, this is an adventure. Well, that adventure has some twists and turns, not unlike the very snake he's trying to catch. Cube jumps in. He's like, yo, how the fuck did we go from taking Eric Stoltz to a questionable animal hospital to go catch a goddamn snake? And I'm like, you know what? 10 points for Gryffindor. That's a good point there. That's a real good question. Uh, anyone else have good questions? Here's the thing, okay? Oh, look, we, what if we make the documentary film about the incredibly handsome and virile John Voight catching a snake that we could sell for a million dollars? You know, that sounds pretty amazing. And you're like, 10 point Slytherin. And here's my favorite cube moment of the movie where he says, how about I throw both of you in the river? <laughs> and and before that can happen, unfortunately, John Voight fires a warning shot. And Cube looks pissed because he shoots it yeah. at him, but doesn't hit yeah. it. John Voight is like, all right, you, uh, Westbridge, you go up to drive the boat or whatever you call it. And Owen Wilson, you are now part of my crew. Oh, my God. This is a dream come true. All right, calm down. I swear to God, I never thought that I could be this happy in my life. And look at me now. I am part of John Voight's crew. I am his number two. I'm his best friend. I'm his best man. I'm his best mate. We're simpatico. You and me. We're buddies for life. I appreciate your enthusiasm, but if you do not put your pants back on, you tread places with the monkey again i don't know how that happened but it just seems when i'm around you my pants come down and i just want to hug you forever i love you all right back off you would smell me so much Oh my God, you smell so good. It's like B.O. and diarrhea. So at night, we are straight up hunting the snake now. now I thought you were going to say straight up ripping off Jaws again. That too, because we're just trawling the river with this dead monkey floating behind this boat. Yeah, he's tied it to a winch. Ice Cube kind of flashes the knife he has at J-Lo as if to say like, I'm going to stab this motherfucker. And J-Lo kind of gives him the shake of the head like, no, 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 hold on, not yet. And then something takes the monkey bait, Chad. Click, 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 click. Nobody move, okay? I caught wind of a monkey. I thought I might have a bite. But here it is attached to some kind of winch. 
And this snake starts whipping around in the water, yanking this monkey this way and that. It looks like a brontosaurus neck. It's, yes. And it sounds like a pterodactyl. It's like, <laughs> The anaconda sounds in this movie, Chad, are really something. And this movie has the balls to put a dolly zoom of j-lo the first time she sees this anaconda and look i get that you could argue that this is an homage to jaws but others such as me will say this is an insult to jaws yeah and so john void is fighting this snake on the winch on the back of the boat and ice cube starts to go for him with the knife i'm gonna stab this motherfucker unfortunately the snake sees him and says no uh this one is mine but not yet so his tail just whips against Ice Cube, kind of knocks the, the legs out from under him, uh-huh. and the knife goes skittering off the side of the boat. Then the snake goes under the water, time for a swim, and pops up just to spit this monkey out at Westbridge, <laughs> who's laid over the boat. Here, I found this to be distasteful. And then the snake spies Jennifer Lopez and is like, oh my God, I am such a fan. Jennifer, here I come. And starts winding onto the boat. Get out of the way, okay? I got a dot gun full of uh, reptile tranquilizer. Watch this. And shoots the anaconda right in its mouth. Ow. Snake goes in the water. <laughs> I'm, I thought this was a party of civilized people. Clearly, I was wrong. The stake heads to the water, is taken off, but wouldn't you know it, during all the madness, Kari Wurr goes overboard and Owen Wilson dives in to save her. He gets her back to the boat, but by this point, the snake is like, huh, the sedative isn't knocking me out, but it really has left me feeling peckish. Perhaps, oh, <laughs> Owen Wilson, get in my stomach owen wilson and this thing oh hey he's like trying to get back onto the boat could somebody help me up here preferably you john voight with your large muscular arms and your calloused hands maybe some other time no, but hey, look i've been counting money my whole life let me feel the the rough fingers against my soft palms it's it would be one of my most erotic fantasies come true please help me up on the boat john voight and he gets as far as like onto the edge of the boat and that's where the snake pops out of the water and is like Sorry, I left my coat. It's me again. And then <laughs> wraps around Owen Wilson as well as the post that he is standing against. And crushes him. Right, is squeezing him. You get a little crack of like, I'm just tightening my coils some, making myself more comfortable. I hope you're all right in my coils. However, the popping of eyes... And the breaking of bones seems to suggest that perhaps you're a little more delicate a creature than I first imagined. The CGI here, though, is pretty not good. It's terrible. I mean, it's it's this era, like mid-90s CGI, and it just looks like total garbage. This came out four years after Jurassic Park, and I know they didn't have Jurassic Park money, but it's pretty bad. 
Well, everything but Jurassic Park from that era looks like shit. I don't know if it's just the ILM magic or whatever that rubbed off on that movie. The practical stuff is okay. There's one shot in particular that's practical that I dearly, dearly love, and I wish they'd done more dumb shit like that. But the puppet is fine, and I wish there were more of that. It's an almost impossible task, but the CGI is is real bad. Do the Marvel trick of make it night and make it rain, and then you can kind of get away with it a little more j-lo tries to shoot the snake with a gun that owen wilson discarded before he got crushed but then john voight he grabs the gun and he screams hey look he's not good to me dad okay and by he i mean the snake you are trying to shoot the snake right if you're going to shoot owen wilson you can have the gun back wait you are trying to shoot the snake shit that's what i thought hold on so then owen wilson gets yanked down into the water and he's like, oh, hey, look, thanks for letting me be in your movie. All right, look, please don't let this first impression of me as an opportunistic, sex-crazed, puka-shelled necklace-wearing douchebag taint your view of me later in my career. Look, I'm eventually going to voice Lightning McQueen in three animated movies about talking cars, and I'm currently appearing in the TV series Loki over on Disney+, Plus, part of the Marvel Universe. Don't worry about me, I'm going to be just fine after this movie disappears from theaters. All right, go check on Kari Wur. She's a mess. All right, and her career is going to go nowhere pretty soon. Okay, now you're coming with me. And like, I like that you see uh, the snake kind of roll over in the water and Owen Wilson in its coil still as it's leaving. I think that's all you right. You like that? Yeah, I, I'm into that. Like, if you're going to do a big, dumb, giant snake movie, do a big, dumb, giant snake movie. So Kari Wur is inconsolable. She and Owen Wilson never got to have jungle sex, to the best of our knowledge. So we're down to five and a half people left of our eight. That's right. Yeah. All right. Mateo and Owen Wilson are dead. Poor Eric Stoltz. He's missing the best parts of this movie. Mm -hmm. He's got so much he's got to get caught up on when he finally comes to. Voight comes over and he gives this half-assed eulogy for Owen Wilson, which (laughs) only infuriates Kari Wurr even more. J-Lo tries to make Wurr feel better by hugging her a lot, which doesn't work. Oh my God, you brought the devil to us. Voight goes over to Westridge and he says, listen up, Westridge, take my gear up to my room. I'm in charge now. And Westridge says, how dare you presume to order me about? Then Voight just goes full mafia don and just starts slapping westbridge about the face and then he pulls a gun on him and he's like presume presume but i presume to throw you in the river right take my shit up to my room yeah yes sir yes sir right away sir of course he does are you kidding me like i look westbridge is not a terribly sympathetic character but in that moment i'm like ah, i don't know that i'm the kind of man that in that situation is gonna be like well then you're just gonna have to shoot me i like that ice cube looks on to all of this and he's somewhat impressed by the way that john voight is just taking control of everything but then ice cube he looks over at j-lo again and he gives the head nod as if to say we got to take this motherfucker down. Yeah. And so we have them like scheme at night a little bit. And uh, there's an awful underwater shot of this snake. Yeah. Show- look, I have a belly full of Owen Wilson. It makes me look distended and fat. Oh, hey, it's me. The CGI face of Owen Wilson in the snake's belly being slowly digested. Hey, look up, look up above. There's a tiny little piece of monkey carcass above my head. And I think I see Mateo's boots. This was such a mistake. I never should have eaten this one. He talks incessantly. Oh, hey, 
Where are we headed? Are you going to take me back to your house? Show me where you live. I'd love to see it. I've never seen a snake nest. I've only read about them on the internet. Well, you know, I've seen three giant pictures and paragraphs that are made of two sentences, but I would love to see something like that. I'm going to vomit you up on a pile of army ants. The jungle kind. I thought that that was a myth. You're saying you really do this. This is amazing. I'm going to get to see things most people never get to see. Well, no, we don't really do it. Then we have a cutaway to Jennifer Lopez really dolling herself up in as much as you can on the Amazon. By putting on lipstick? Yeah, right, exactly. And so she goes up to the pilot house to seduce John Void. She's <clears throat> giving him a little bit of like... You know, this was supposed to be my big break and doing the hand slide over the wheel of, of the boat. Finally, her hand reaches his and she says, maybe I can film you. You know, I just feel like we need someone who can protect us. And he says, protect you? It's been a long time since I had a woman. Mm. it's oh it's so creepy and gross and wonderful before he can kind of seal the deal with jennifer lopez ice cube comes rushing in and john voight pulls a gun on him and then has a, a really nice move where he steals a kiss from jennifer lopez anyway yeah it's a nice villain move he just kind of grabs her before he throws her aside and then gives one quick smooch and then westbridge though saves the day by hitting john voight in the back of the skull with a golf club through one of the windows of the pilot house which i mm. hesitate to believe would actually work that way this is really something i want to see the mythbusters tackle of like you know can you use a golf club to punch somebody through a window you know i, I want to see that on mythbusters but the, sure enough they knock him out and j-lo is like all right we're not throwing anybody in the river okay i know everybody wants to throw this guy in the river that's not us we're not going to do that we're just going to tie him up i love that her sexual ploy to seduce john voight was essentially the same actions taken by steve buscemi in billy madison just smear a little lipstick on and that'll do the trick well like he said it's been a long time you know like just a touch of lipstick and you put oh hey it's me hey i'm underwater listen i could put on some lipstick i could come back up get on the get boat. out of here oh. the snake the snake is is close by no i vomited him up he's your problem now I'm on this pile of ants. I know I've got a lot of tiny little sores, but I could put on lipstick. I could be there in just a few minutes. <laughs> Zombie Owen Wilson. <laughs> you guys, I just want brains all the time now. I don't know what it is. The next day... John Voight wakes up tied to the mast of the boat. Jennifer Lopez has found him out. They found the newspaper article. Yeah. She says, you know, I can be just like you. I can catch a snake too. The jig is up, John Voight. Yeah. All right. I, the, the newspaper article, you were in cahoots with Mateo and this guy who should have a mustache but doesn't. Don't forget about the wasp. I did that on my lonesome. I thought, let's put a wasp in the respirator. We get rid of a character. Ice Cube can say everything he was going to say you put a wait you put a wasp in a respirator and then he breathed that in guilty it seems terribly contrived wait a second did you make up that animal hospital? Oh, you know, the animal hospital in the sense that there are animals probably in need of a hospital. Uh, that's true. Let me ask. No Pinkberry? No blowout bar? It was all bullshit? Uh, you might find a couple of candy bar wrappers. It, it's not out of the question. It's not even Halloween, you idiot. <laughs> 
I'm going to go inside and check on Eric Stoltz to make sure he's still sleeping in our movie. Thump, 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 thump. Yeah. Leaving Kari Wur to really give John Boyd the stink eye, I guess foreshadowing that encounter. Speaking of stink eye, did they change Eric Stoltz' pants and underwear? He's had to have drawers full of pee-pee and poopies. Not to mention those little fish swimming up his dick. Yeah, spiking out in his cock. <laughs> Usually when you hear the phrase, spiking out in his cock, Uh you are involved in a very interesting leather scene. See, that's my safe word. (laughs) Spiking out... The, just that part or do you have to do the whole spiking out in a cock to... it's the whole thing i make it a little yeah. complicated so i have to commit sure i can't sure. be like spike it out in his mm. yeah no that's a smart more... <laughs> yeah because fear is the mind killer we all know that chad so we're up in the cockpit westridge is still doot doot driving the boat <laughs> and he says how about you my good man ice cube would you care to drive this one makes it go forward this one makes it goes back speed up speed down you're in charge my man i'm going to die soon and you need to know this the boat makes its way over to the waterfall that we talked about earlier and it runs aground ice cube decides they need to winch themselves out of their stuck situation so everybody jumps in the water jayla westridge and ice cube kari Wur is on the boat just staring at voight with a knife wanting to kill him and john voight sees that that his minutes are numbered and he looks at Kari Ward and he says listen up uh, baby bird you never look in the eyes of those you're going to kill and it's going to haunt you forever I know okay I've killed a lot of people Wur is so distraught over Owen Wilson's death and her inability to kill Voight for just a brief moment lasts too long and then John Voight pulls this Ethan Hunt move where he just springs up into the air comes down wraps his legs around Kari Wur's neck slams her to the ground snaps her around and oh my god I can't believe it it's something like a sense Cincinnati scissor hold. He's got her down on the ground and she's down. One, two, three. Ding, ding, ding. Round is over. Kari, where is dead? John Voight has a knife. He's going to get free. Yeah. He, after he Jim Cotta's her to death, he has to dump. Kari Warr's body over the side of the boat, which he does. He just kind of flips over the side. And J-Lo, Westbridge, and Ice Cube are now going to attach the boat's winch to these trees in the nearby water to kind of drag themselves off the rocks. They're a good 30, 40 feet away from the boat, so they don't hear the murder that happens on the open deck. <laughs> right. And then when they look over after hearing the splash of Kari Warr... Nothing's to see, Hannah. I just uh, accidentally threw um, an animal hospital into the river. Oh, hey, Kari Wurr, what are you doing in the water? I've been... Oh, she's dead. Oh, I should probably eat her now that I'm a zombie. Ice Cube sees some leaves moving on top of the water. What the hell is that? Hi, it's me. I had trouble tracking you. I had to expel Owen Wilson. He was not only dragging me down speed-wise... He was just an insufferable bore, and I cannot have my dinner affecting me that way. Oh, hey, I'm over here just watching from the... Oh, I'm just watching from the bushes. Oh, my God, he's insufferable. I just want to see how the movie ends. I got halfway through Captain Phillips, and I still don't know what happened there. I was talking to Voight. He didn't know. No- they kicked the pirates off the boat. Oh, hey. 
I hope this movie doesn't end that way. My my good friend John Voight's going to end up in a, in a real pickle of trouble. All right, let's see what happens. I'm going to be quiet for a little bit and just watch from the bushes. And so they get back to the boat. Ice Cube and J-Lo are almost at the boat. The snake's chasing after them. Westbridge is like, over here, you big snake. The snake turns. and Come and get me, you horse's ass. (laughs) Fine. If we're going to resort to name calling, I'm going to have to make an example of you. And so Westbridge is like, eep, when he sees the snake coming at him because he didn't think that far through the plan. <laughs> so Ice Cube and J-Lo are like, hey, climb the waterfall. The rocks uh, leading up to the waterfall. Climb those. Good plan. Go straight up into the air. <laughs> yeah. So he scrambles up and gets to and behind the waterfall. He'll never find me in here. While that's going on, Jonathan Voigt is working on cutting himself loose. At the point where Westbridge kind of finds this case behind the waterfall jonathan voigt launches into action and comes uh-huh. at ice cube and stabs him right in the thigh that would take me down for the count i stub my toe at night but i'm no good for a half hour you stab me in the leg that's it you better get me over to that imaginary hospital as quickly as possible and so while that scuffle is happening on the boat westbridge has now been cornered by the anaconda that kind of climbed up the waterfall i climbed it's what i do as a snake Yet made a lot of bad decisions. Westbridge decides, well, I'm just going to run past the snake. Yeah, jump out through the waterfall and into the water. And he gets, I don't know, halfway down. Dude, this snake snatches him like a yo-yo. It's the best death in this whole movie. Yeah. The way it's shot from down low and you see him falling towards the camera and then it's a attack. It's like a frog's tongue snatching him like a fly. Yeah, it's pretty good. They both fall into the water, which snaps a tree that falls onto the back of the boat. That somehow wakes up Eric Stone. He was like, oh, oh, what? Why, I believe I heard a tree crash on the boat. And so he's up and about now. I should protect myself by carrying a large syringe filled with reptile tranquilizer. So J-Lo and Ice Cube end up in the water after the tree hits. Uh And she makes it back onto the boat and is reaching for Ice Cube when Kari War's body pops up between them. And they both give it a, ah! (laughs) But their shock isn't nearly as pronounced as it should be. They don't know she's dead. For all they know, she's walking on the boat. If I'm swimming around in your corpse floats up in the river and i don't know that you're dead i would be a little more surprised why thank you for saying that you're welcome and so this time jennifer lopez is not fucking around she goes to get the rifle ice cube meanwhile gets a bite from the snake in the shoulder hey there ice cube mind if i wrap myself around you that's a hip-hop pun that i've sat on all day dreaming of this moment between us i really like the music that you sing and play but as much as i'm a fan i'm also an apex predator so i have to eat you ice cube (laughs) it's just fun to do (laughs) and during all of this snake biting struggle i don't know where john voigt is but he suddenly just shows up and he now has the one remaining gun and then he kicks j-lo in the belly knocking her down and he points the gun at ice cube's head and then out of nowhere eric stoltz shows up with the aforementioned dart filled with reptile tranquilizer and he just stabs it into john voigt's back with a hey you get your damn hands off of her and we know that it's reptile tranquilizer in this syringe because j-lo says the tranquilizer 
was working. And then the screen goes all blurry. And then Voight falls in the water. And I was like, they didn't even show Eric Stoltz stab this guy. Yeah. He just kind of lumbers behind him and then Voight goes down. In another episode of Bad ADR Theater here in the movie Anaconda, you get a shot of the water and you see the dart floating on top. Uh And the ADR is Ice Cube saying, damn, that dart came out of his back. Yeah. And it sounds so flat compared to the rest of the dialogue in the scene. It's very funny. Eric Stoltz got a thumb to the trach during that scuffle with John Voight. I guess his neck is bleeding all over the place. So it's time for him to go back to bed after his deus ex stoltzia. (laughs) And, And Ice Cube is like, yo, that tree knocked us loose. It's convenient. And then we get the most famous shot of this whole movie where the boat backs up from the waterfall and the waterfall is going in reverse. Yeah. They didn't have footage of this, obviously, but all right, whatever. We'll keep going. Hey, you know, it's movie magic, Chad. We go to the movie's (laughs) final set, which is some kind of warehouse or something on the water. It's like a log factory or (laughs) some sort of furniture manufacturer. I don't know what this is. In the middle of the Amazon, there's a factory there. Yeah. Hell, I expected to see Roger Rabbit show up with some shenanigans going on. (laughs) Please, Eddie. (laughs) And so J-Lo and Cube get out to look for fuel which they are running out of and you're going to hear the word fuel used about 37 times in the last 14 minutes of this movie who calls it fuel it's better than petrol i suppose yeah petrol's a bit much yeah I, like that's for mad max movies and mad max movies alone and so <laughs> j-lo finds this old gun and ice cube is like i don't even want to know what happened here conveniently checking that box for the writers of like why is this place here who were the people who fought here who cares no J-Lo picks up a snake skin that's on the ground. So, oh, hold on a second. Did we mention on the boat that they shot and killed the snake? Did we? They shot and killed the snake. That's what J-Lo did with the rifle. Yeah, we got to back up. That's an important detail. Yes. We, <laughs> we got to lift it up. During the struggle on the boat, J-Lo shoots and kills the anaconda. So it's dead. Yes. Our apex predator is no more. Right. We're just getting gas let's go home it's easy to forget that because of what comes next so j-lo picks up a snake skin that's on the ground and here's one of the many problems with this movie the whole film we've had this one big snake chasing our team of idiots but now after they've killed that snake the movie introduces an even bigger snake that we didn't even know existed until the last 10 minutes of this movie. Uh, that one was just a baby you know there was the baby of the big mama this is where we get my favorite adr work when j-lo and ice cube are standing there and you hear a voice go welcome and it is not john voight saying welcome it sounds like jack mcbrayer or that animated <laughs> dna strand from the jurassic park welcome center and uh-huh. ice cube turns around to this welcome and it's john voight smacking him in the face with the butt end of a gun yeah i guess he got both of them in pretty short order like a, a quick welcome huh clunk welcome huh clunk two in a row like that (laughs) and knocks both of them out because they wake up and they're tied together and he used a snake skin to tie them up (laughs) yeah he is bleeding out a monkey into a bucket as you do yeah he goes over and he's like hey they wake up sleepy hands okay i got a bucket full of monkey blood so i'm going to pour the monkey blood on you giant anaconda 
They love monkey blood, fresh monkey blood. That's what I've got. And uh, Giant Anaconda is going to show up in that movie. We're going to have a big finale, okay? There's a moment I like where he kind of bends down to this pile of dust and he picks it up and kind of lets it sift through his fingers and he says, "Uh, You see this? These are human bones. This is what happens when you become anaconda poop. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. All we are is dust in the wind. You know what I'm saying? I think that was Kansas. Who sang that song? I know. They definitely quoted it in Bill and Ted. I think the first one. Maybe the second one, too. I never saw the third one. Did you all see the, the third Bill and Ted? I didn't want to spend $20 to pay for a movie during the pandemic. It's like, maybe it's look good, maybe not. I don't know. I'll wait and see. It'll show up for free, maybe on Netflix or something like that. But I digress. And so with all this monkey blood, the new bigger snake that comes out of nowhere is like, I thought I smelled monkey blood. It's my favorite. How did this movie not introduce the idea that the snake that we saw for the entire film could possibly not be the biggest snake of them all? Okay, so there is a hint of this. I don't need a hint. This isn't a movie that relies on subtlety. <laughs> I understand that, but when Jonathan Voigt and Eric Soltz are trading the tale of the snake people or whatever, early on in the movie, the way they describe it is with, uh, there's a wall and a waterfall, and then there are guardian snakes yeah. at the wall, and then there's the big guardian on the other side of the waterfall. All right. So it's lightly mentioned, but it's, yes, it's real messy and it's way too vague for it to be a thing how about this they he rolls out the giant snake skin and it's like 50 feet long and you just have a character say that snake that came after us was 30 feet long there's something bigger out and then you're like oh shit and then when they kill the little snake and you see the big one it, it all pays off and this one it, part of it just, hell we forgot to mention that they shot the small snake in our review because it's like well there's just a snake i think what you're engaging in here is trademark pick six movies fan fiction i know uh, the, i'll send you a check in the mail in which we are trying to make sense of a nonsensical movie with a movie like this i don't need to logic my way through it too much and i don't want to forgive it because it's totally stupid and you're right all of this should make more sense but when a giant snake shows up at the end of the movie i'm like oh good there's gonna be more snake eating okay the camera zooms in from up above and we get this cgi anaconda whipping around and it's a good hundred feet long it is huge and the anaconda wraps around both ice cube and j-lo as it approaches and then john voigt jumps down and springs a trap that captures j-lo ice cube and this massive anaconda in a net using a premise that he saw in an episode of scooby-doo at best yes and i would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you crazy snakes so this snake now in a net starts flipping around and freaking out and the net bursts it's not strong enough to hold it and so they go spilling to the ground ice cube and j-lo and the snake and the snake is all pissed off at john voight now because of the net why did you do that i thought we had an arrangement i was eating the ones covered in monkey blood now you tried to capture me and I have to kill you. So Voight scampers off and climbs up a ladder to make his escape. I'm going to get out of here, okay? Look at this. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to get away. I've got the more buckets of monkey blood. I've got the plan B, C, and D, all right? I'm afraid I can't let you escape. Come on. Come on. We're buddies, all right? You help me, I help you. We are not 
friends, sir. And so he goes climbing up a ladder or whatever. Uh-huh. And the snake goes up after him and kind of pulls the ladder down on top of both of them. John Voight tries to escape the snake, uh-huh. briefly stunned by the ladder falling. Ice Cube is like, I don't think so. And just yanks the rope so that this net comes up to block John Voight's escape. Hey, this is not good, okay? Oh, good. You've stopped for a moment. I'm now going to eat you alive. This is the best part of the movie for me, is this snake grabs John Voight in its coils, and then you get to see this puppet snake unhinge its jaw and starts to eat him, but you get an inside-the-snake view of its Uh gullet as it lowers onto John Voight. Pretty good, Chad. Earlier, we saw the scene where the waterfall went backward as the boat went in reverse. I kind of wondered if this scene where the snake eats John Voight was just a reverse projection of the birth scene in the movie it's pat season three episode three of pick six movies where you see a baby come out of a woman's vagina from the inside out maybe so or it's a reuse of the mouth footage from little shop of horrors i really like it though it's one of the few times in this movie where i'm like that was genuinely kind of creative and fun voight goes down the gullet of this anaconda Uh uh-huh Ice Cube and J-Lo try to escape. Cube gets smacked by the tail of that anaconda, but he gets up, makes a run for it. And then the anaconda goes after J-Lo. It pops through the walls like kafunk. She ends up in this room with a bunch of baby snakes, which I think is supposed to be like the nest. And this is the mother, perhaps. Who the hell knows? Maybe there's one bigger than this snake. Yeah, but so when it busts through the wall, Chad, this is where it's like, I must have eaten something that disagreed with me and just vomits up John Voight, who comes out all slimy. And it's not quite the RoboCop acid Uh, look, but it's in that uh, ballpark. He gives J-Lo a little wink. Which is maybe the single best thing in the movie is this two seconds of black wink drop it's really good upon repeated viewing which i do not recommend he winks one or two other times in this movie but they should have made that a little more forced so when he winks here it's very much on the nose yeah not since deep rising has there been better vomiting up of a person half digested ice cube has a plan now. i got a plan which is Jennifer Lopez is going to climb this smokestack, luring the snake behind her. Like, I love to climb. It goes after her. Ice Cube grabs a, like a pickaxe. He basically becomes Yosemite Sam. He does. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, oh, you varmint. And then uh, hits the tail of the anaconda with this pickaxe, pinning the tail. And then what does he do next, Bo? Uh, He fires a couple of pistols until it lifts him off the ground. (laughs) He goes and gets a thing of gasoline, runs a trail, and like piles up all of this fuel so that he can light this impromptu liquid fuse to blow up something. That's his plan. Let's just blow some shit up. It's a terrible plan. (laughs) Well, and he even yells it out to J-Lo where he's like, yo, I'm going to blow up this snake. And so she has to climb to the top of this smokestack where the snake is like barely nipping at her heels and whatnot. Like, ow, 
something has hit me in the tail. It's strange. He nails the snake's tail down. J-Lo goes up the inside of this smokestack. The snake is coming after her, but he can't reach her. Then the snake sort of gets free from the pickaxe, and then he grabs some sort of clamp and just wraps it around the snake's tail. There are these unnecessary details that don't even need to be introduced. Just leave the pickaxe in the tail. I don't need a second contraption to hold it still, which doesn't make sense because the way that it's shaped, the snake could just slither right out of it. But anyway, we're so close to wrapping this up. Yeah, this is almost over, people. And so Jennifer Lopez is briefly trapped at the top of the smokestack. I can't get out. Hit the hinges. But as he's telling her this and giving advice, like he's already lit this gigantic fuse that is setting off the bomb he's created inside the warehouse so cube is already halfway down the dock as he's like calling behind him like best of luck try to try to get out the top or something and, and she does get out and then repels yeah. down about what 10 feet <laughs> right and he's like yo you got to jump what i'm i know i'm really far away because how did you get outside so fast I, I run fast. Is the snake after you? Oh, crap. It's still in the smokestack. What should I do, Cube? You should jump or just stay there. I don't care. I'm away. Ooh. I ran away from that snake. That water does not look clean down there. If you can somehow get back in the smokestack and work your way around the snake, I'd do that. I don't think I'm going to do that. You said that there's a bomb inside or something. What's going on? <laughs> so it blows her into the water and we get a really shitty cgi snake on fire yeah it doesn't even kill the uh, snake just sets it on fire and so it lands in the water along with jennifer lopez and ice cube is like trying to help her out of the water as this snake is flailing around on fire and whatnot they're on the dock when the snake pops up for one more attack <laughs> i was being burned to a crisp and none of you helped me Cube then goes full Paul Bunyan, grabs an axe, and just starts chopping the snake's head in twain. Yeah, and when he's done, he just drops the axe. I think he even spits on it and just says, bitch, pretty good. Again, why is there not more of Ice Cube? Has no one seen Ghosts of Mars, a movie that was not made when this film came out? When he called that snake bitch, all those people eating McDonald's behind me in the theater stood up and applauded. Of course they did, Chad. It's the, what this movie ought to have been. We have about eight seconds left in this movie because we go back to the boat. Eric Stoltz wakes up for the second time in this j-lo gives him a hug so they're happy and then as the boat put put puts down the river our three surviving members of our movie's cast come across the shirishama tribe prompting eric stoltz to say well you know john voigt was right all the long and then Bo, Ice Cube comes out and we see these native people just standing in the water. All the women are topless in a very tasteful National Geographic kind of way. And Ice Cube gets the last line of dialogue that sums up this whole movie when he says, damn, the end. <laughs> I honestly did not remember that the last line of this movie was damn. And then the movie ends with this boat, like literally sailing into the sunset and then credits. And that's, that's Anaconda. This is going to be a tough season to rank top to bottom, Bo. Here's the thing about Anaconda. I, I would never recommend that anyone watch this movie. Even at 85 minutes, I don't think. 85? 
five minutes, Bo. Look, you're not wrong, but there's also just not that much to see here. The snake deaths aren't nearly as good as you want them to be. Not that it needs to be overly gory or anything, but it feels strangely toothless for a movie of this type. John Voight has fun. John Voight is totally the reason, yeah. It's shocking how little every single character in this movie does. We weren't purposeful about not talking about Jennifer Lopez's performance in this movie. She's not really in it that much. She's kind of in the background of it. But all the characters feel that way. Like, Ice Cube doesn't feel like he's moving the story. It's all John Voight's movie. and It's like the whole cast was lined up and they said, which one of you wants to participate? in this film and everyone took one step backward except john Voigt, and he looked around like oh shit it's me oh, i guess i gotta you know give it my all <laughs> except eric stoltz who took two steps backwards <laughs> I'm going to go lay down for an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> That's another shocker in this movie that Eric Stoltz is built so high and is not in it. Yes, I think John Voight is a lot of fun, but if you've never seen it, I don't know that his performance is so good that you owe it to yourself to watch Anaconda. I've seen it a number of times. Like, I'm not above it. I don't yeah, want to. It doesn't get better with repeat viewings. And it's more frustrating than anything because this movie could have been so much more fun and outrageous. And the moment moments where it is kind of fun and outrageous are the moments that i really enjoy and everything else is just kind of boring so bo we've talked about a lot of movies that are like jaws we talked about movies with bears Aye. we've talked about alligators bees and now snakes but if i were to toss any of those animals into the water with a great white shark my money's on the shark bo that shark is going to win that head-to-head -head competition every single time what we need is a movie that features a creature capable of not only giving a great white shark a run for its money but could actually defeat a great white shark in a battle to the death do you have a movie like that that you could recommend for episode five of this season's theme it's like jaws oh sure to be telling you i do chat <laughs> you're looking for a predator of the sea are you our, our real apex well let me introduce you to orca ocarius the orca <laughs> or the killer whale now we're going to be taking a boat out into those waters chat and we're going to be following that well. And why we're following that well? Well, you're just going to have to tune in to find out. For one of the most outrageous moments in cinema history. That's right, folks. Episode 5 is Orca from the year 1970... Starring... Richard Harris, the one and only Richard Harris, who is just a national treasure charlotte rampling is in it you will remember bo derrick uh -huh. from an episode we did on uh, the film 10 you got robert carradine one of the two main nerds from revenge of the nerds that's how he likes to be remembered as well as killer whales all kinds of killer whales uh -huh. this is not your grandma's free willy this is your great grandma's fuck jaws yeah, there's a lot of fuck Jaws moments in Orca. And truly, the first, I don't know, 20 minutes of Orca are some of the most like shocking moments in film history. I had my first viewing of this recently, and my jaw was regularly agape. So come back in two weeks' time, and we will be discussing Orca, starring all those people we talked about. And this whale is going to kick the ass of every shark that shows up. Sharks seals people all comers an entire fishing village this killer whale almost kills an entire village fishing village 
it's quite entertaining. Well, any final thoughts that you have on Anaconda? Oh, I think we all learned something. I felt like it was really a time that we could all get together and grow. I really loved it. Listen, do you mind if I just cuddle up to you and maybe just smell your earlobe? Is that okay? Please put your pants on. Oh, wow. How did that happen? It's like magic. My zipper parted like the Red Sea. And look, here's my staff. As always, like, rate, review, send us an email, fix6reviews at gmail.com. You can find us social <laughs> media, whatever else. And- on the internets. We'll see you in two weeks' time, everybody.